good evening. Actually, I should say good morning because Tanner, you're in California right now. Actually, yeah, covering all bases here because it's the afternoon in Oklahoma. So. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. <laughs> anyway, so instead of doing Truman Burbank, I'm just going to say good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hari. And today we'll be joined by Nick Roll and Tanner Risner, or Reisner, as he's just told me. Two of the co-hosts of the soon-to-be globally successful podcast, Quantum Recast. Yes. And they are here to give their two cents on Spielberg movies. So today's episode is really going to be a Spielbergian um, podcast, which I heard is a term in a dictionary now. So Nick Mm. and Tanner, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ash. Uh, Very excited. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, like flabbergasted of how I found you. Um, are you aware that your podcast show is on the trivia page for Fight Club? The first rule of Fight Club is... <laughs> so, yes, that's here how we go. I found you. That's how I found you. Is it really? Yes. yes. It works, Nick. How do you do that? This is what, so this is a marketing thing that I came up with <laughs> for the podcast was I created a an IMDb podcast uh, pro account for quantum recast and we are on imdb as like a tv show so we have episodes and seasons and then after you set that up you can anyone can just add trivia to imdb if you have like an imdb pro account you can just add trivia and so i went on there as quantum recast and every film that we have done an episode on i went in and through trivia linking to our episode saying Quantum Recast did an episode on this movie. Here's the episode. And then oh my God, that was the thing that we were like, oh, if people, you know, want to see a movie podcast or listen to a movie podcast, this is where they're going to be. They're going to be on IMDb. So why not? Well, Tanner, no, you're, you're absolutely spot on because I think single handedly by just doing that piece of trivia right there, you might, because you, uh, you've caught my attention because I'm always one to watch a film. Or rewatch a film because I watched Fight Club. I, I rewatched Fight Club. I think last month, no, a couple of months ago. And then I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna go through the trivia because the trivia section for Fight Club is gonna be quite manic. Half oh yeah. Of spoilers alert, and then all of the Tyler Durden stuff. And then I saw something about podcasts. Like this is new because I don't remember reading this last year. And then I saw what is this quantum recasting? I'll go onto it. And when on your page, I saw you're on Instagram. I started listening to a few episodes and I have to say, I was like, I love the concept. And I think Nick was saying to me last time, I mean, it's very, I mean, a lot of people are doing film podcasts at the moment. So you've got to find a niche or mm-hmm, you've got right. to find a way to sort of appeal to your audience. And I thought your way of doing things was actually quite unique. And the USP is insane. And we're all about time travel in Europe. I don't know how it is in America, but it, it, everyone's obsessed with it for some unknown yeah. reason. It, <laughs> it's just cool. It's awesome. Absolutely. And I think your concept is blowing people's mind at the moment. I think once it gets traction, it's going to be uh, it's going to be massive. So that's how I found you guys, and that's how we are ah. here today. So I'm going to go through uh, individually. Uh, so Nick, you're from Oklahoma, right? So it's like 12 p.m. over there right now. Yes, it's 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 up up at noon basically. So yeah, and you're originally from Ardmore, and you met Tanner at college, and the two of you have become the co-host of this hugely successful podcast show that's insane yes we we met in college we did uh theater and stuff together in college tanner was actual theater major i just came and hung out for a little while yeah and then tanner and jesse our producer are actually related to our third member uh, who wasn't able to be here today Corey, 
and he he and I kind of were bouncing podcast ideas back and forth to each other for a while. And I think just somewhere in between there, because I would do this thing where we would watch a movie and in my head, I would recast it with my friends. And sometimes I would share that for better or worse. And I think that's <laughs> may have planted a seed in Corey's brain where he kind of went, hey, what if we did this? Because his initial idea was let's recast face off the movie in every year from like 1965 <laughs> on. And I was like, let's, 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 let's work with that. <laughs> Let's use that. Let's use that. Yeah. It started with Face Off then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's why it's like, that's why our first episode was uh, with Face Off. And it was just kind of a perfect kind of movie because it's literally two guys playing each other. And so the dynamic of seeing who would get to play off each other best or play the other person was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Did you know they're remaking um, Face Off? I heard I had heard such things. Yes, it's been <laughs> I'm always green. terrified. Well, there's always these rumors circulating Ooh. about remaking it. Originally, it was going to be a TV series, and mm-hmm. I've been keeping an eye on it on IMDb, and it officially got greenlit. I think they've got the director now, so they haven't casted the two actors yet. So I think they might mm. have to listen to your podcast because I don't know what okay. year you took it back to, or I went forward in time we, with. I think we took it to eighty-eight or something. Yeah, yeah, or like eighty-six. Yeah, some somewhere in the mid, mid to late eighties. I'll have to double check that. No, but I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they cast. I think uh, that'll be a very interesting. I don't. I, I can't. I can't even think right now. I have to write it down. But yeah, we'll come back to that. So, Tanner, you're also <laughs> from. Uh, you're from Durant, Oklahoma, and uh, yeah. like Nick said, you guys met at college, and you're now residing in LA. That's why it's uh, good morning to you because it's like nine, eight, nine o'clock over there. It's, uh, it's ten. Yeah, ten, 10 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And you're pursuing the all-important dream of becoming a big movie star. Yeah. Much like fellow actors Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, because it's very interesting that you said one of your favorite films is Goodwill Hunting. So is that Oof. something that is that why you went to LA? Is that is that that inspire you to go there? Oh yeah. It's like Goodwill Hunting is one of the films that like really set, I think, set me in motion of like, oh, this is actually like something that it is moving to me in a way that like, yeah. yeah. And then having the, the, you know, the story of them writing and they've been, you know, doing commercials and auditions and stuff together as this like unit for like a decade. And then, so that really spurred me into it. And I had done like stage theater since I was a kid, like, right. Right. Yeah. uh, So ultimately that was something that I thought I was just going to, you know, do theater and then, um, either go to New York or like, you know, head over to London, do theater. And then I really started getting into films after I met like Nick and Nick actually cast me in like my first film, like wow. student film. And we did like a feature together. Yeah. And then that really shifted the perspective. I was like, Oh, this is it. This is what this I is the do. thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so yeah. light bulb moment and Eureka, you're off to LA right. and you're about to, Follow in the footsteps of Affleck and Matt Damon. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that's going to happen for you. I think it might already be on, you know, on the way. The ball. Yeah, thank you. No, definitely. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, concept to see how things happen in the '90s and now, and if it's the same story because I think mm-hmm. it's happened in every decade. And oh yeah, Anna, you could uh, you could be the next Matt Damon or Ben Affleck and ah. see what happens there. I want to say something quickly. I know this is kind of off topic. I mean, yeah. Google Hunting is one of my favorite films um, at, of all time, and Matt oh, Damon. I do tell. Matt Damon is the star of that film. I mean, he plays the title character. Yeah. However, however, 
Ben Affleck has the better scenes in that movie. Do you agree? Oh my God. Yes, he does. Because he's, like, it, I, I, he's not the main character. He's sort of like a no. side character and yet they mm-hmm. wrote the film together, but he has right. the best scenes in that film. Like the scene where he's like, if you're not going to, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to fucking kill you, man. Like the construction oh. scene, the scene at the end. Do you agree with that? I like, I just got chills. Cause that is like my favorite scene in the entire movie. The best it's just, scene. he's like, yeah. yeah oh my God. Easily. You're like, <laughs> if you're looking at scenes to do either in like, a class, an audition, you want the Ben Affleck. You want the like, Ben Affleck scene, absolutely, yeah. You don't, like Matt Damon stuff is fine and all, but you want Ben Affleck. He's so yeah, exactly. emotionally powered there. No, 100%. Like, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I have this debate every time, though, like, okay, well, Matt Damon is the main star. He looks quite good. You know, he didn't, mm. Ben Affleck didn't have his teeth capped yet for Armageddon. So, <laughs> but, you know, he was still looking a bit grotty, but his, yeah. the scenes he's in, he just steals every single scene. The joke at the, Restaurant with a uh, um, oh, it mini driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the construction scene, the scene at the end, the scene at the beginning, every scene he's in, I just oh my god, he is brilliant. I mean, him yeah. and Solid Skarsgård scene as well. I mean, Robin, there's just a lot to talk about there. But oh yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, I won't geek out about it just yet. But I just I think Ben Affleck is. I think he, well, he did write it, so he might be like, well, ha- hold on, hang on. If you're the main star, maybe I'm going to get the good scenes. I get, I get the, the fun scenes. scenes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, well, look, we're talking about Quantum Recast, and some of us uh, listening may not know what it's about. So, Nick, could you tell us this concept that you guys came up with? What is Quantum Recast doing at the moment? What are they doing? Yeah, so basically Quantum Recast is we take a movie from its original year. So we talked about Face Off, which was in uh, 1997, was our first episode. And then we said, what if that movie was recast in 1988? So we play by these rules and basically we are recasting that same movie with actors from that specific year that were popular at that time. And we have rules and stuff just to kind of make it so it's not just this dream casting kind of scenario. You know, we, uh, they have to be working at the time. They, it couldn't be like their first year. You can't pull Brad Pitt out of, out of obscurity or something when he's a child, if we're going back to the seventies or something. And then you, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, you know, they can't be in jail, which is just a fun rule we have. Like, and then they have to be alive. And then we have some fun little parameters for the director because the way we've set it up now is that between the three of us, we'll each take turns picking a movie. And we we are the director choosing uh, between the other two's casting choices. And so it's just kind of a fun game of sorts, but it's really just a fun way to kind of discuss movies and how they would be different in different time periods. And it unlocks just a lot of fun conversation. It, it, I think. it is absolutely amazing because it, the podcast goes on for about an you know, hour and a half to two and a half hours. And you guys go into meticulous detail about you know, the box office, what films are big at that time. Uh, background about the film and I think I mean for example you guys did The Dark Knight which came out 2008 I believe and you took it back mm-hmm. to 1989 yes. uh, which meant you recasted you know six or seven of the primary characters mm-hmm. of The Dark Knight uh, with actors that were uh, you know prominent in 1989 and mm-hmm. I, I was you know on the edge of my seat I had a long drive that day and uh, it, I was stuck in traffic uh, of course it was raining here and it was just you know gloomy but your podcast I, mean, I was I was really spurred on by the debate of what was going mm. on and I was just waiting for you to cast Batman I wanted to see who was your <laughs> Batman you went through the Joker you went through Harvey Dent you went through uh, um, Scarecrow but when Rachel Dawes and I was just waiting who are you gonna put as Batman because all I had in my head was Michael Keaton but 
you couldn't take him out of Batman. So right, that was your right. rules. And that's why I was like, oh, wait a sec. These rules actually, you know, change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, it, is it Charlie Sheen you ended up going for? Wasn't it? It was we fight. did, yeah. 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 That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Corey yeah. Hated, hated both of our Joker choices. And then <laughs> somewhere in there, I think he, he put in his own of Keith or Sutherland. And then that was, hit, I think, influenced his decision to go with, my Charlie Sheen over Tanner's. Yeah. Who who did you have, Tanner? I can't. Viggo Mortensen and Mortensen. no one even gave <laughs> no. it a second glance. <laughs> I thought Vigo was actually quite a good. I thought Vigo could have either done the Joker or Batman. Either one yeah. of those roles. Yeah, I thought it was very. Um, I, I thought v, I think we brought up, and I thought Vigo would have been good for Two Face as well. I think he just has that yeah. range. He does have yeah. a good range. Yeah, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. Green Book certainly saw a different side of him. He was mm-hmm. classic in that. Of course, he's. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, that's how he got really right. big. Absolutely. So, listen, I am um, before the show started. I asked you guys to name me your top three films, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. didn't ask for an order. Just top three films that came to you at the time I asked you, and I also asked you to name your top three directors. So, I'm going to name um, Nick's first off. So, you gave me the film Drive, yes. Ryan Gosling film, yeah. very good. Uh, Back to the Future. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mean the trilogy, or are you just talking about the first movie here? specifically the first one i mean i love i love the the whole trilogy but yeah that one specifically and then you got the thing which i assume is the john carpenter one not the remake yes yes that one (laughs) well you can pick that one too yeah right right right. so i mean you've got some you've got three solid films there and then your director you selected steven spielberg christopher Mm -hmm. nolan and quentin tarantino which i think are solid choices um which is very interesting because none of the directors you pick have directed any of the films you've picked. Yeah. It, as Tanner can attest to like trying to get me to whittle down a list of anything is just an act in itself. And I would need like a month just alone without being interrupted to actually give you a proper, like, this is what I think. Yeah, this. Yeah. So, so I just kind of went, uh, usually I just have to go off the, <clears throat> off the cuff there and try to yeah. just be quick about it or else I will just spiral. So, right. You know, I asked you this a week ago. I mean, has that list changed to you? I mean, is, have you got another top three? I try not to think about it because, again, yeah. I would just you, you <laughs> overthink it. And I'll just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But those, and, uh, yeah. those are just three. I was trying to also just kind of give some range there a little bit. You know, Back to the Future is very much your big franchise movie, which yeah. I enjoy a lot of those. And I think that that's why, like, that was produced by Spielberg. But it's it's kind of those people being put in ex- extraordinary situations type of scenario. Those are the kind of stories that kind of appeal to me a lot. So no, the thing good. definitely fits that as well. Yeah. Drive, I just, I like its simplicity, but also its style. A lot of people will say it's too simplistic or this or that, but I, I think it's just, just from beginning to end. Well, and it's yeah. not what people expected, you know, where they thought it was going to be Fast and Furious by some of the trailers, but I, yeah. I love every minute of it yeah no drive very cosmic i mean the opening 15 minutes is spectacular great scene um, mm-hmm. and i think yes. one of ryan gostin's best films if, if i'm being yes yeah. absolutely it, it definitely caters to his more uh stoicism kind of acting where he has this it, i watched a video about it and they kind of talk about how he comes from the, i think he learned this idea that the you know the actor doesn't have to emote as much on film as they do in like theater because in editing and stuff the director and the music and everything can kind of reflect whatever emotion you need off of the actor or amplify it, you know? So that's why he has this theory of like, keep it minimal and let, let the movie do, do its own talking kind of that's thing. That's actually very interesting. I actually saw yeah. 
sort of connotes most of his performances, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really interesting. And Tanner. Yes. I also asked you for a top three movie list and a top three director list, and you've gone for Goodwill Hunting, as we've mentioned. Classic, yeah. Meet Joe Black. Now, that is one I didn't think would make <laughs> the list. I didn't think that would be as, you know, I've got Nick's, and I can understand Nick's free. They're very, yeah. you know, commercial, but Meet Joe Black. Very Bl- mainstream, yes. <laughs> yeah, but Meet Joe Black, and the second, and the third one here, Chasing Amy as well. So, I'm, you know, this is a very interesting yeah. list. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. And your director's, You've also gone for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith, which, mm-hmm. I liked. yeah, definitely. And, the, of course, David Fincher as well. Yeah. Seven Fight Club, Gone Girl. Yeah, it was, the director one was really hard for me because, like, I'm not, I don't really pay attention to a lot of, like, I don't really see a director as, like, this big entity that, like, you know, how everyone's, like, r- right now Snyder is the big thing, right? Like, everyone just like follows Snyder because it's Snyder or like everyone sees the Fincher movie because it's Fincher. Like I've never really been one of those people. So like directors, when, when you ask that, I was like, Oh God. Okay. (laughs) And I just like put up a list of directions. Like, okay, who has the more movies, like the bigger (laughs) pool of enjoyable movies? Cause I guess those would be my favorite directors, even though I've not really recognized. I like this director for, this directing you yeah. know what i mean yeah um and so that one was funny and like fun to go through no, um your yeah. list is very i mean it's it's it's, di- it's a diverse list is what we'll call it because yes it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah that is what you can call it yeah it's, it's i was very when you said me joe black i actually ended up watching me joe black because when you when um, nick gave me your list i was like oh i'm gonna watch it because i haven't seen it in a long oh time. yeah I was like, this is yeah. actually, you know, it's quite it's a hidden gem, if anything. But mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Like there was a lot of stuff that I could have put up there, mm-hmm. but I also on the top three. But I also didn't want my top three just to be Robin Williams films or just to be Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt films. films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, because it could have gone either that. way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I that one's one that I've probably watched more than any of his films, other than like. A River Runs Through It, which is more of a deep cut than Meet Joe Black. But yes. like um, that one I thought was always just like classically his Brad Pitt's like style in that film. At his peak of his like. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Tanner is like, a fan, just not just cool. of Brad Pitt. Tanner's a fan of not just Brad Pitt, but specifically long haired Brad Pitt. Long haired Brad Pitt. So World War Z uh, was your thing. Uh, not World War Z. If you go, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it was okay. It was okay. It was, like, w- really when, like, Plan B took off and, like, yeah, he's yeah. just started producing everything. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, he's taking a step back. He's not really, like, hammering it home like he did in the, like, you know, in the 90s. But, like, if you do, um, ooh, man. Um, Legends of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. Yeah. Interview with, uh, with Vampire, like he, he in those is just like peak, 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 and just like a beautiful, you know what I mean? No, I just mean, that, like, that, that, that is actually quite interesting because I mean, there's a yeah. lot of uh, people who would go the other way about that and go sort of the post millennium would be, yeah. you know, like Ocean's Eleven, kind of Coen Brothers collaboration, Burn After mm-hmm. Reading, those kind of films. Yeah. Where, yeah. His, or also uh, his Tarantino movies with Inglourious yeah, Bastards uh, and, and Hollywood. Right. Exactly. And then he did a film called Babel. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, 
Yeah. Very interesting film. Um, it's an odd one, yeah. Yeah, very odd. But I thought that was a good choice for him to do, if anything. Yeah. I think I re- reunited him with Kate Blanchett where they did uh, Benjamin Button again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was uh, an interesting film. But yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Brad Pitt. Um, I, there's, they're actually doing, um, I don't know if you know this, because there's this big conundrum with Tarantino films with what's in the briefcase, did Brad Pitt kill his wife in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, and Tarantino's always been quite reserved to answer them. He's like, "Well, I'm not going to answer that because that would defy the whole point of the movie or right, art right. what I'm doing." However, he's now releasing a novel, which he said he'll do after the tenth movie, whatever sure. that would be. Hopefully, it's a sci-fi. Um, we don't know. Um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm rooting for. A sci-fi you know, Tarantino film. That'd be great. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that'd be incredible. I think that's where he's going because that's the one genre he hasn't really touched on yet. Yeah, he but, talked um, about yeah. writing. He talked about writing a Star Trek movie for a minute there, and so yeah, he said that a script actually exists for that. He said he's got a script for it. Huh. But he oh, that's interesting. But I don't know if he could just jump on the bandwagon of a Star Trek movie. He might do like what they did with Joker, just make a standalone movie, and then mm-hmm. that'll be it. But, I think we're at that point now. where like, it's it's. I watched a video series by Patrick Willems on YouTube, <clears throat> and he was talking. He was more defending the Schumacher Batman movies. And he was talking about how back at that point, it was like, that was all we had. So like the fact that it wasn't what people were wanting, everybody hated it and destroyed it. But now you look back on it and you've got all these iterations of Batman and and it's kind of the same. You've got all these iterations of James Bond and Star Trek and all this. So it's like, it's so there's room for something cool like that. Yeah. And I I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there because I think as time goes on, because I mean, Schumacher's Batman was, you know, quite good at the time. It's laughable now. I mean, more so on the George Clooney one, but the Val Kilmer one, people still love and adore just because it had an amazing cast. I think I just thought they were having fun with it. And like you said, Nick, I think at the time, this is what they had available to them. And then Nolan took it to the dark side, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with the Brad Pitt novel that's coming out, I mean, Tarantino's written a book about Brad Pitt's character, and it's coming out before the 10th movie, and it goes into detail what his mm. character is about, and I think they actually explain if he did kill his wife or not, so that would mm. be a very interesting book to look into. Yeah. But, um, it's, smart, it's smart to do after the last film. It's like, okay, I'm done, here's all my secrets, have mm-hmm. fun yeah. out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bit, yeah, I mean, Tarantino's one of those, he's... He's an enigma to me because I love his movies, but then I don't really, I don't think he should stop at 10 if he's got the talent. And I don't know if he will. I don't know if it's more of a. He had said something. He had said something recently about basically a quote was that no director's last film was that good or something. So I think he just has a fear of trailing off if he continues to do burning out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, because, I mean, he's very into his boxing. I mean, he's got, you know, Butch and Pulp Fiction. He thinks his time's going to run out, and he thinks, you know, I, I need to be in my prime. And there's like, mm-hmm. I think his prime's probably, you know, arguably Inglorious Bastards and then maybe Kill Bill 2, that period. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think... I mean, it I'm, seems like, uh, we because we covered Pulp Fiction, and we had our, our friend Joel on, and he's a very big uh, Tarantino fan, but all of us just, we had a discussion there for a second about the best Tarantino, and it seems like even on the internet, everybody has their own Tarantino, so it's it's yeah. interesting that yeah. no matter no matter what movie, everybody seems to have a big following for it. It is, yeah. I mean, every film, every, I mean, that's what's so good about having a minimal uh, filmography. You've only got nine, ten movies, people can mm-hmm. their favorite. I mean, I keep going back to, I mean, Pulp Fiction or Inglourious Bastards is always my top two, but then I rewatched Jackie Brown the other day and I fell in love with it all over again. So, and I think that's what's so good about his films, but 
Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll steer away from Tarantino. That'll be. Let <laughs> me get back to Spielberg. But I, I just wanted to ask you. We've, um, so Nick, you said you picked Drive, Back to the Future, and The Thing. Mm-hmm. Hannah, would you have any of those three films in your top ten? Oh, top ten. I mean, I feel like maybe Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, if you're going to pick one, it'd be Back to the Future. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like if there was one, it would be Back to the Future, just because it's it's got such a fun life to it that it's always yeah, cool. enjoyable. Uh, it's always just like bouncy, and yeah. so I could see it being up there. But I, I think it'd probably be closer to like fifteen, <laughs> sixteen. You know what I mean? Like so sacrilege. <laughs> what yeah, are the Nick hates films it. Above it. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. well. We'll, we'll go into that another time, but yeah. you've got, you've got, we know your top three, and Meet Joe yeah. Black and Chase and Amy are in there, so I'm very interested to hear your <laughs> other ten that are going to be... Oh, between. man. I think a lot of people will be interested to see that, so I think we'll have to get that list drawn out at some point. Yeah. And Hannah, I mean, uh, I don't know if this is going to be an easier or hard question for you. Um, with... No, not Tanner, sorry, Nick. With Tanner's yes. top three, uh, Goodwill Hunting, Meet Joe Black, and Chase and Amy, would you have any of those in your top ten? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, I, I do. Enjoy, I, I agree with Tanner. I think Joe Black's kind of underrated. And I think it's just gotten that it's become a meme of itself. The whole scene with him getting hit by the car, but people don't focus on the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if I've actually watched chasing Amy all the way through, but I only recently, a couple years ago, watched Goodwill hunting and I will agree. It's a great wow. movie, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, hit me the same way I think it does Tanner and other people and, and yourself. So, well, no, I mean, that's, 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 that's the great mm-hmm. thing about movies as well. It's very subjective. People mm-hmm. get blown away by parasite and some people don't like it. You know, that's what's the beauty right. of cinema. And I think mm-hmm. even films as commercial, I think Forrest Gump's actually one of those films that is de-aging as time goes on at the moment. Um, just because it definitely is in Europe, but it definitely is here. I think Forrest Gump is getting less popular as time goes on, but it was enormously think, popular. Yeah, it was huge. And I think, I think the main thing about it was just people started to go like, well, he's just, he's just kind of going through time and it's just this fun. It's just a fun movie, but is it like this amazing, like, I don't know. <laughs> Impactful. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. That's it. That's <clears throat> it. And I think some films are, it was very interesting to see what lasts and what doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find that very interesting. So look, we're going to talk about Steven Spielberg since you both picked him as your, one of your top three directors. Sure. And, uh, what I want to do is we're only going to talk about films he's directed, not produced, because that is a big list. Right. So many. Uh, yes. A massive list. I mean, he's still got a big list for directing as well, but it's more exciting. Yeah. More exclusive. A little, 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 more, little more compact. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> imagine doing produce. That would be a big, that would be a free hour. Oh, God. So um, before, I want to know your top three Spielberg films. I mean, I asked you guys um, last week, and so I'm going to ask you guys your third best Spielberg film but before I do that I'm just going to give you a big a bit of a quiz um obviously the quickest who answers uh will be you know more respected because we we will have oh, that no. in front of us let so. me pull up my google search rule. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay so I only have three questions they're quite I mean hopefully they're easy um but we don't know so he's about to school us. Yeah, go. for real. I'm going to ask a question and then I'll ask you both what you think the answer is. Okay. So okay. you're aware that IMDb has a top 250 greatest film list where Shawshank Redemption huh? is number one has been yes. there for a long time. What you is mean the Paddington 2's? 
Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you mean Paddington Two's not up there? <laughs> Paddington Two has fallen off the ranks. I think it's no. I think it's floating around 212 or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. It's there though. It's there though. Yeah. I mean, it's up there. It's mm-hmm. there. You love Paddington Two. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it. I just, oh, everybody, yeah. there's just, there was that whole moment where yeah, uh, yeah. it beat out Citizen Kane somehow or something, and everybody was losing it their mind. It is a good film. It is a good film. I, I, I don't know if it beats Citizen Kane, but that's another. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> That's another day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, top 250 films on IMDb, uh, notorious for telling us what the best films are. Can either of you tell me what the highest rated Steven Spielberg film is on that list? And what number do you think is at? Nick? Hmm, I feel like I'm a millionaire right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say, thinking of it, it, it would probably be either... I mean, E.T. was a huge hit back in the day. Um but I think it would probably be either Saving Private Ryan, potentially that one of those two, or Jaws. I bet. Okay. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna just go with the safe choice and say Saving Private Ryan. Okay, right, Tanner. What do you oh, man. Do you agree with? Do you concur with Nick, <clears throat> or would you like to go for a different option? Um, I'll go for a different option. Uh, I think it's a good choice because I think probably it is up there, Saving Private Ryan. Um, I think Jurassic Park is probably going to be up there that, more you know, so. That's a very safe option, I think. Yeah. You know, that's something I would have gone for. Um, yeah. Right, so I'm going to go on the list now and have a look. Um, I can tell you, Nick is actually correct. It is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, I don't think E.T. is actually on there. I'm just looking at the list now. I'm, I think that we were talking about Forrest Gump, and it's, it's interesting because E.T. was so huge back in yeah. the early 80s, and so it, it seems like one that people have kind of forgotten about. I think the mm-hmm. older the film is, and if it remains on that list, the better it is, because for it not to be bumped off by like the Avengers film or something is quite right. a, right. a big thing, because you've got all these Oscar-winning films that are winning every year, and the nominees mm-hmm. are on there. But yeah, it's ranked number 26 um, hmm. on wow. B, which is very uh, high. And I'm trying to find the next one on the list. I mean, Back to the Future is number 35. Okay. Um, but he didn't direct that. And I don't think Jaws is actually on the two, 250 list, which is very interesting. Fair. So you have to go all the way to number 55 where you have, guys, do you know what film it will be? Uh, 55? Neither of you have said it. What's number 55, do you reckon? Oh, it's, oh, oh, it's Schindler's ahead, List. Nick. It's Schindler's List, isn't it? It's not Schindler's List. Oh, okay. No. That is surprising. I was going to say Indiana Jones. Surprising. You want to go again? Yeah, is one it more. one? I would assume it's is it Ra- Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, it is Raiders. The last okay. number 55, yes. Just behind a Memento and Apocalypse Now. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. So we both got Seven Private Ryan, or Nick got Seven Private Ryan. I did respect Tanner's Jurassic Park, though, so that is, you know, respectable. Yeah, and I don't came out to... swinging. Yeah, I know, you did, you did. <laughs> um, so he's won two Best Directors, but for which films? Tanner, name one of them. Uh, okay. Um, best Director, Schindler's List. Correct, Amondo. That's one, and for 100% record, Nick, no pressure. What's the other one? Mm, we know he did Schindler's. He didn't. <clears throat> is this for best picture or best director? Best director. Okay. Because he didn't. They, it didn't win best picture because that went to I think Shakespeare in Love, which was like a big deal. Yeah. At the yeah, time, I, I did not actually enjoy. But 
Um, not a great Ben Affleck performance, maybe. <laughs> so, not his best, no. Not his best. Um, I'm going to say that it's probably Saving Private Ryan because it would be weird for him to to not get best director of that one because it is I, those two seem to be like the big lauded Oscar movies of his. Well, you're correct, Nick. I mean, two nice. war films, two war films. I think he's done a third, so well done. You've got two out of two. Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, best director, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, Schindler's List won best picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven Private did not. Um, and you're correct. It was uh, Shakespeare in Love, the Judy Dench. Too much book. time on the IMDb, boys and girls. So. Well, no, it's always a good thing. <laughs> I've kind of shot myself on the foot here because my last question is which film has won best picture of his? Well. Uh, we've given that away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's actually quite interesting because, I mean, like you said, Nick, Schindler's List won best picture. It's the only film of his to have won best picture. Which is crazy, but well, it, it's crazy to think about. But like the front half of his catalog, which is my favorite of his, yeah, is all very genre. I guess it's sci-fi. It's it's a lot of high concept stuff, and so Absolutely. it's it's block blockbuster. It's we'll just say it's blockbuster. Yeah. And so it, it seems like at some point, like he felt the need to start making quote unquote serious films. Yeah. And that's when we got Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. And now the back half of his catalog kind of also reflects that. It's like he has this need to tell these stories. I wish he would go back to, you know, he did Ready Player One and stuff like that. But I I like his front half much more than I do do his back half. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, um, I, I, I'm very, with Spielberg, I don't know where he's trying to go now because the 80s obviously were his, I mean, well, 70s maybe. I don't know what was better, 70s or 80s. It's hard to say probably 80s um Mm -hmm. where his peak and i'm not sure i mean 90s i very much enjoyed you know there were some good films there but yeah i think he's doing west side story now um yeah it's first musical so i see him he's trying to sort of stretch his range a little bit it's a weird it's a weird choice on face value yeah i think thinking about it because i was i was having this conversation with another friend of ours who's who's big into theater and we were Mm -hmm. he was just kind of like i don't understand why they're doing this and i was like and i read somewhere and that they made a good point it was that you know, the original one was, is a, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember which, uh, port, are they Puerto Rican in the movie? Is, is, is one side of the West Side Store or are they, maybe I just had a Hispanic spot. group, maybe, but, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. they were all white. They were casted as white. So at least in this new mm-hmm. version, it's kind of fixing that and now yeah, they're yeah. casted correctly. And then on top of that, I've seen, I've not seen West Side Story yet, but uh, my understanding from videos I've read and, and things I've, I've watched, uh, is that it's it's very well shot and well choreographed. Like the filmmaking is exquisite on it. So I can yeah. see it there going. I can see Spielberg going like, I need to remake this. I think I should remake this because he's oh. also one of those that, as I've as a hopeful filmmaker, you know, I've I've dug into a lot of mo- movies of his and also stuff about him, and you see a lot of his filmmaking techniques and stuff. And you, and yeah. it makes sense on that no, level. Uh, I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, it's very interesting. Like, I think it's a very interesting remake because West Side Story actually won the Oscar when it came out for best picture. So it's one of the mm. few films to be remade that actually won the Oscar for best picture. So in fact, actually, I can't think of another one, if I'm being honest, I'll have to look that up. Um, of uh, musicals. Yes. Well, in, in general, I film that's one best picture that's been remade. I don't think there is. Oh yeah. Right. That someone has the balls to go, yeah, I can well, do better. If someone's got the balls, I mean, yeah, it's, it's got to take someone like Spielberg. Maybe he can, you know, duplicate another Oscar for it. Who knows? But yeah. so, top three Spielberg films. Now, I said to Nick, I was going to do, I was only going to do post 90s 
because I wanted to see what people oh. would say, but I'm not going to do that. That okay. would have been interesting. That's <laughs> that would have been very that would have been tough. <laughs> because that would have been a better, that would have been tougher to do. That would take a lot. <laughs> yeah. That would be, yeah, that, you'd have to squeeze a few in. I'm not even going to lie. Actually, one of, I, know, I won't ruin it, but okay. uh, it'll be interesting very how, how many of your films are post 90s and how many are not. But what I'm going to do, we've all, all three of us have got a top three list for Sp- Steven Spielberg films. Films that he has directed. So, Tanner, if you could tell us your third best Spielberg film and why, please. Okay. Um, here's what I'm going to say here. I'm going to say the bottom of my list, top three, is <laughs> The Last Crusade. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Mainly, so I think it is the best out of like the whole series it's so so much fun and really i put it up there just because i guess i took this list more of like the movies that i enjoy versus the movies that i think are best of his yeah because yeah. like i do not think this is his one of his best films but i can watch this movie consistently forever and always enjoy it you can just enjoy that performance from sean and harrison yeah 100 yeah. percent. um and so yeah, I'm just basically throwing it up there because it's just a nostalgic, like, catch-all of, like, when I was growing up, this, like, adventure aspect of, like, what you want to be, essentially, you know what I mean, when you're growing up? And I think that really captured that for me. I mean, Tana, I mean, that's an absolute solid choice. I mean, I would have to agree with you. It is the best Indiana Jones film, in my opinion, and yours. I don't know. Yeah agrees with that it doesn't look like he is as he stares off into the middle distance i will i will make i will make the argument though like those three movies uh i think you could pick any of the three there's five i uh i don't i don't know what you're talking about tanner it ended with three and it was glorious they rode off into the sunset how do you where do you go from there tanner i mean (laughs) but uh no, I, I enjoy Last Crusade a lot. It's uh, spoiler. It's not in my top three, but it, I, I agree with a lot of Tanner's a lot of arguments. But it is it, it, the dynamic between Harrison and Sean Connery is great. Yeah. Um, the action's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's a lot of uh, partnerships in Spielberg films. There's a lot of uh, great partnerships. I mean, that's another mm-hmm. podcast right there. But that partnership in Indiana Jones, uh, Harrison Ford and uh, short mm-hmm. it just it's, it's magic um i think they're only i think he's only 12 years older than harrison ford actually but really yeah he's um wow much older than he is um he just came off two years after untouchables anyway mm-hmm. but, it's also yeah. a lightning in the yeah, bottle moment awesome. because exactly. yeah yeah because you you found the perfect actor to play indiana mm-hmm. jones dad which is yeah. james bond you and, know and i think <laughs> yeah I, I was born the year the film came out. I was born in 89. And one oh, wow. of the, I'll tell, I don't know if this was the situation for you, but it had two things going for it, that film. A, Sean Connery, um, I knew he was Bond, so I wanted to see what he would be like in this film. So mm-hmm. a, a James Bond in this film. And the second thing was River Phoenix had passed away when I was growing up. And yeah. I didn't know who he was. I never watched any of his films. And people mm-hmm. kept telling me, oh, he's Indiana Jones in this movie. Um, right at the start and that actually drew me it was the first Indiana Jones film I watched actually 
Really? Oh wow! Um, so I watched it backwards. Um, did you did you watch them as a kid or did you watch them older? I yeah. So I watched Last Crusade when I was eight or nine, um, okay. and I got really into it. Um, and then I think I watched Temple of Doom, and then I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I watched it backwards. I've watched it forwards now. I don't think it really okay. makes a difference. Not necessarily. Uh, they're they're episodic in a sense, so it's not yeah, a right. big deal. I mean, I, obviously, the father and you know the young Indy at the end makes sense. Right. But yeah, I think the reason I watched it was because of River Phoenix and uh, Sean Connery, these people that I knew one had passed away and one was Bond. So, and then yeah. it blended into this movie with, you know, surrounded by Harrison Ford. But no, Tanner, I mean, Last Crusade, number three in your choice, solid mm-hmm. choice, 1989. We know Thank now you. that your other two are not going to be Temple of Doom or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or even uh, Kingdom of the Lost Ark. King of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, no, so we know that's not going to happen. And we also know Nick is not going to pick any Indiana Jones films. So I'll bring on to Nick. Um, I'm, I'm as I'd say, hold that thought. He hold might that thought. I might pick it. <laughs> oh, and, and before I pick my third one, I will say the hot take of, I actually do have a soft spot for Temple of Doom. Oh, really? And it's one of those that over time, like it's one the one that I want to always go back to and watch a lot. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's no. honorable mention Temp- Temple of Doom just because I think it's I just enjoy it. For, so everybody's like, oh, it's too yeah. dark, or what the girl, the actress, and it's too annoying. I'm like, yeah, but I still like it. So that was a rom. Wife at the time, wasn't it? Do what? That was Steven Spielberg's wife at the time. The actress. They were either dating at the time. I think. Yeah, Kate Capshaw, I think. They were dating. I know they were at least dating. I don't know if they were married or not yet. So That's true. That's a very interesting point. Temple of Doom is your... Is it your favorite? No. No. (laughs) Which is sad, because Raiders is the worst one. So if that's going to be your favorite... I agree with that. I agree with that. Because it it, it, mine actually goes in... In backwards order. Exactly, yes. Yeah. I don't count number four. Nick, I'm why just, are you frowning? I'm just in. I'm just in pain right now. <laughs> oh no! To be I'm fair, just, Nick does have I, IMDb to back him up. I am. <laughs> yeah. <time. laughs> um, yeah. So before we dive too far into that, uh, kind of like Tanner, you know, I, I, I went more with what the ones I enjoyed. I think, I think you're not going to go wrong with many Spielberg movies. Uh, uh, saying that they're great they're all well made like, i think mm-hmm. that that's just an uh, a fact everyone can agree upon what's the best one i think that's just like you've said before it's opinion uh my number three if, I, if you want me to just jump into that yes please. um i'm actually pulling up catch me if you can oh my god that's mine as well nice that's mine as well but let me hear it, what you say nick you know because i mean it, it it's true it's like i I like I said before, I lean definitely into seventies, eighties, and nineties Spielberg, early nineties Spielberg. Um, I don't have a big thing for a lot of his post nineties stuff, but Catch Me If You Can just has this sweet spot, you know, like it's it it is fun and it's it's this era of time. Is it the sixties that that were or the fifties that were in in that movie? Sixties, yeah. yeah. I think it jumps time a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just fun, but it's also just so well made. Like there's 
not to get too cinephile and everybody, but like there's one, <laughs> there's one transition and, and you just sit there and go like, holy shit, like God, <laughs> like, of, of course he did that. Like when the projection, yeah. when they're watching the projection on, on his background and then Tom Hanks is like, all right, next clip. And they just cut and I'm like, yeah, oh my God, just stop. Oh, I know the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. as a, as an ed- if you ed- spend a lot of time in an editing booth or in, behind a camera, you sit there and go, of course he did that. And of course it was pulled off miraculously, like perfectly. But but no, just the whole movie is just fun. It hits. He's hitting all the right notes about that era of time with the style and and the music and, but also the performances are great. I think that's another favorite Leonardo performance for me, yes. as well as Tom Hanks. You know, like the two of them just play off each other so well. And there's a lot of people in the movie like that have smaller roles, and you're just like, oh wow. Amy and Adam, so Christopher Walken. Amy, yeah. yeah, Amy Adams, Christopher Walken. Yeah, I just you can kind of keep going with it. Um, yeah, but well, yeah, yeah, I I I just enjoyed it a lot. And and the more it's another one of those. It's like <clears throat> if it's on TV, I'm gonna sit down and watch it. Like, or yeah. I'll, I'll just jump in and be like, cool. Nick, I mean that is a solid choice. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what scene it is or whereabouts in the movie you are. If it's mm-hmm. on TV, you can just catch up and you can just be in that zone because there's a bit where he's trying to be Bond. There's a bit where he's a pilot. A doctor. Yes. Yes, yeah. all of that. Frank Sinatra singing "Come Fly with Me." Then you've got mm-hmm. the dark side of the front. It goes everywhere, and it stays composed. And it's just, it's down to Spielberg being a genius. I mean, yes, you've got two big A-listers going at it again. Right. again the partnership is is a big thing for Spielberg. And again, these two. I mean, I don't know who I'd pick over them two and Sean and Harrison, but they both have right. the chemistry. Right. And it's interesting that you're both picking films that have a, a unique chemistry. And I, I, you know, I've just. You know, mine's also Catch Me If You Can as number three. Um, and I, Solid. I, yeah, I, I think it's uh, one of the best films I've seen Leo in, if I'm honest. Um, I think that's the film that sort of transitioned Leo from a teenager to a uh, mm-hmm. A-lister. Because I think he did The Beach, and I think he did um, a few he films. Was, Titanic. Was kind of, Rob, but, yeah, I think it yeah. was the first one he kind of got his footing. Because yeah. Yeah, after Titanic, he was just so big. It's too big. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> People to and so... Sorry, he was, but, and so like, yeah, the beach, it was like, he's trying to find like, what actor do I want to be kind of thing? No. Right. Well, no, that is very interesting. So for the third best Spielberg film, Tanner has gone for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, yeah. uh, which both me and you agree is the best one. Nick, not so confident on that remark. <laughs> <laughs> but then me and Nick have also picked our third best Spielberg film was Catch Me If You Can. Yes, and Leonardo DiCaprio. So we will go back to Tanner now. Your second favorite Spielberg film. So I almost put Catch Me If You Can't Here. Wow, I almost almost did it, and then I thought the talented Mr. Ripley was better. Like I feel like it was (laughs) so similar to me in my head. I was like, oh, but that one's better, so I can't put it on there. I put The Terminal with Tom Hanks. Wow. A Tom Hanks movie again has reached its... Wow, okay. This is a very Tanner choice, but it's also a Reisner family favorite. It's a very very good film. Explain, number two. It's just... I love the... Like, the thing that he does really well in that film, I think, is really pitch, especially to an American audience, that, like, this underdog immigrant story, right, of, like him coming in and really needing to like make himself like educate himself 
even though like America's being shitty and like not letting him into, you know, America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like he's stuck in terminal, but like it, he does a really good job of like making us really root and like really fall into this character that we're just like in love with. And like just every step of the way, you just like can't help but smile and like root mm-hmm. for him and just wish him well. And that like, the character development there, I think is always just so fun to watch. And obviously the scenes of him just like, yeah, acting as if like nothing's happening. You know, he's bathing in the, uh, the sink and just in a towel, like great, great scenes. I think he just really captures. I think, yeah, I think Tana, I think that's actually a a dark horse of, uh, one of the choices here because it is quite, um, it's one of the most recent films he's done, if anything, actually, because he took a bit of a sabbatical, in the last yeah. of his films, I think he spent a lot of time doing Ready Player One. I think the Terminal was very overlooked. Um, I yeah. think it hasn't made my list, but I, 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 I was thinking about it. I was definitely thinking about it just because of Tom Hanks in that film. It's probably one of his only, well, not only, but one of his pure comedy films he's done uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't revolve around action or a uh, deeper meaning. It's just in an airport. Right. I don't know if you could compare it to like the likes of Reservoir Dogs or Phone Booth where it happens in one location because mm, right. it's a big airport. But I, I, I completely agree. I mean, some of the, I mean, as a cinephile myself and Nick, you might agree with me here. Some of the shots he's pulled off in that film um, are extraordinary in terms of how he's managed to get that entire scene or production design to work. Mm-hmm. I think he actually did it in an airport. It, is, it has been a hot minute since I have watched Terminal, but I, I did enjoy it as well. But it, it, So now I'm just going to have to go back and watch it. So I think I might have to do it too. I think I, I, Tom Hanks, I think, just destroyed right. the role for me. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. flawless in that. Absolutely. It kills me. And I, I just love the way it's shot as well. I think uh, Spielberg, yeah. I think he always has room to impress me. Whereas mm-hmm. someone like Tarantino, I know what he's going to do because he has a trademark. With Spielberg, he does give you that element of surprise like, oh he's going to do this shot oh he's going to do this this way he's going to make it this way he's going to do that do this to this character and I, that's what i love mm-hmm. about spielberg especially when i saw warhorse and ready player one i was like, oh he's going up and ante here um from the 80s so you know what you know tanner i'm actually a bit upset i didn't go for the terminal now but i think <laughs> the terminal is a solid choice. you may have, you may have changed his mind tanner i'm think i'm okay. scratching my head i've got it in ink here so i can't change <laughs> yeah it. okay <laughs> It is binding. <laughs> I know, but I, I can't ruin this one. So, Nick, your second favorite Steven Spielberg film after you've picked Catch Me If You Can. Okay, so as we've been discussing, my brain has been switching back and forth between my one and two. Um, and I'm just going to, again, just straight up be like, when we talk about our favorites, this is me very much. With Spielberg... It's it's a there's two parts of it for me. It's growing up with his movies and having that nostalgia for it and like what it meant to me as a kid. Because I I had two older sisters and so my knowledge of movies when I start growing up, I watched a lot of uh, '80s movies very early on. So I had the original Star Wars trilogy, the original Indiana Jones trilogy, all of these movies. It's like I had this built-in back catalog kind of thing for being born in '88 and be, truly really being a '90s kid. Yeah. But um, so a lot of this is nostalgic in senses, but they are movies that I go back to and I'm like, they're also just well-made and knowing Spielberg mm-hmm. that they're always going to be well-made and, and, and any of the, like I said earlier, any of your movies, he's picks, you're going to, you're going to find something great about them. And if anything, like we've just already talked about, 
I'm going to go back and probably watch some of these just because we brought them up um, to see if I, what I think about them now. But uh, so my number two, um, I'm going with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, hello. Raiders of the Um, Lost Ark. There it is. We've been scrutinizing it earlier. (laughs) Yes. After (laughs) y'all trashed it. Um, Sorry. But no, I think it's, it just does a lot of things so well for a blockbuster. It, it, you know, we talk about, jaws and star wars being those first huge blockbusters that really set the tone Mm -hmm. but the more you watch something like raiders of the lost ark um you realize how much of that has influenced not only blockbusters but a lot of filmmaking in general you know just from the opening start of how you introduce a character we don't see indiana jones we see the whip we see him working through these traps and stuff and then uh, snuffing out the betrayal from the other guys trying to screw him over, you know, and then obviously the giant boulder scene at the end. And so by the time he, we finally have the reveal of him before he goes into the actual thing to fetch the golden uh, uh, thing, MacGuffin, if you will. Yeah. Like we, we've already established who he is, that he's not someone to be messed with, that he's smart and intelligent. Um, and so I think, when movies don't set up characters like that as well, especially the main character, that's what you're supposed to do with the main character. Like it's often upsetting. I'm like, why, why was this not, why didn't you, you had the blueprint just do that. <laughs> and so, but there's, but I'm sorry, did you, were you all going to say something? No, 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 no. Go okay. continue, continue but I mean, just from that scene and then you, you talk about, um, I, I've watched way too many videos about it and stuff, but it's, it's, <laughs> You know, you talk about just from shooting the action sequences, you you talk about, you can talk about practical versus CGI and stuff, which was, this was right on the precusp of getting, I mean, like from the final scene of when they opened the Ark of the Covenant and people's faces are melting and all that was horrifying as a child and it still isn't as an adult because it's, because it was practically made and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it just, it hits a lot of things for me, not just on nostalgia, but like when I look back at it and I'm just like, that's, that's what I, I, I when I think of a, a movie, I'm like, that's what I want to see. Like, and, and mm-hmm. there, I mean, it, it is, I mean, it's the first one. It blew up. It, it built the franchise. You know, it wasn't, it was going to be kind of a one-off and then it just got so big. They're like, Hey, I've got ideas for more. Yeah. And so they added India Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but. Um, yeah, I just, there's a lot of iconic scenes in it and Harrison Ford, you know, also big, big, uh, hero, I guess, growing up in all the different movies. So it definitely hits all the right notes for me. Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think, I mean, is a very solid pick. I mean, we've just established it's number 55 on IMDb's top 250 list. I mean, for me, yeah, I think it's one of the first heroes I ever saw on, Mm -hmm. on film in film. I mean, with heroes of their generic, you know, whip hat outfits yeah. before mm-hmm. post superhero movies this was a superhero for me i mean yeah, oh, yeah. 82 it came out raiders hey let, let me let me pull that up right now india jones and it was 81 81 yeah. so that was 81 that was pre-terminator right yes a terminator was 84 pre-terminator yeah, what about rambo pre-rambo rambo i think rambo might have been potentially early 80s rambo not rambo for last blood uh <laughs> there's just too many literally, of them. It's hard literally to- every rambo but the original rambo <laughs> I, I saw the last one actually the one they just made that was interesting uh 
was uh was it was it all right <laughs> it was very graphic in terms of the violence and i think that's what they were going for um yeah so first yeah first blood was 82 so this predates uh rambo by about a year yeah and so. i think that's a very solid you know what you just said about you know raiders of the lost ark and, and being the first of many things in terms of um how to make a film in terms of special effects in terms of what a hero is or defined mm-hmm. as as well because it predates all of these guys that we know yeah. are heroes or action heroes we didn't really have any superhero movies besides superman yeah uh, Batman, and, and, mm-hmm. was and even and another thing i was thinking of even the the opening scene of him finishing an adventure before starting yeah. the next one that was something that was generally new was and i i don't know the proper term for it, but you're jumping into the movie in the middle of something yeah. rather than starting at the rather than starting at him being at the school and somebody coming to him being like hey we want you to go find the ark it's here's the action we're just throwing you right into it and that was something new new or at least that hadn't been done as much up until that time and now it's kind of in everything a lot no i mean i think you know i i don't think i can argue with either of your choices for your second favorite film spielberg i mean raiders of the lost ark is a classic it's 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 still going apparently we're still getting a fifth movie at age 78 james james mangold's james mangold's gonna direct it so you know, he made he made Logan. He made uh, what was the car movie with Damon and Bale? Uh, Mon sixty six. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, it's, so yeah. So I, there's there's hope there. There's and hope he did, there. He walked the line as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. That's which, right. Which is a very good film. A very different genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there is probably. I mean, yeah, it's it's in the hands of a good director. It's not Spielberg though. But right. That. Is it's kind of like it's kind of like hearing that Bad Boys Three wasn't being made by Michael Bay. That was devastating. <laughs> that was awful for me. Yeah, yeah. He's in the movie though, he is in the film. Is he in the movie? Yes, he is in the film. He actually kind of looked like Tanner in one of the scenes. Okay. Actually, <laughs> really? Yeah, like, now I gotta watch it. Like okay. how you look right now without the glasses. Um, same hair, same kind of facial structure. Um, I won't ruin it. Right. Seen it, but he makes a formidable cameo in that movie. Okay. Um, All right. It's a good film, Bad Boys Free. You can tell it's lost the Michael Bayish. There's no uh, right. The Bayhem is that's the thing. Bayhem. Like outside Bayhem. of Transformers, that's the Michael Bay I want. Like the Bayhem, the, the over stylized shooting and stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think I mean I watched Six Underground recently. I didn't even know that was his film. Um, yeah. I mean the opening twenty minutes, I was like, okay, this is definitely Michael Bay. And then, yeah. <laughs> you can't. I, I no, it's. Up. Oh, yeah. People people will bash Michael Bay to the end, but then at the end of that, you can't replicate what he does. Right, right. It it's one of those things you you just see a scene, you're like, oh this oh this is a Michael Bay film. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. and yeah. then like you can immediately like pick <laughs> up on it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. No, I mean Michael Bay is. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of him. I mean, we grew up around around the same time, so obviously I grew up mm-hmm. with The Rock and Armageddon and yeah. films that have like notoriously mm-hmm. been trashed now, but I, I still love them. So they're that good uh, kind of trash, though. Yeah, I think right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, The Terminal for Tanner, the second best Spielberg movie, which I think is a very great choice, actually. Um, Thank you. We've got Raiders of the Lost Ark for number two, which means it's not number one. So that's very interesting. Um, yeah. I, like, <laughs> I, I like Tanner, uh, like Nick, sorry, have also gone for Catch Me If You Can. My number two, however, was um, quite an obvious one. Um, and it is a post nineties film. Okay. Um, and I was also flipping between the first, the eighties film that I wanted to choose and the nineties film, but I had to go for it. Um, and it was Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Naturally. 
I actually. had to, I had to pick that film. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many reasons why. Um, yes, I'm not even going to include my love for dinosaurs in it. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> just just that just that alone. Like that alone. I can't. I can't. I mean, in terms of what he did, I mean, kind of the same points you made with Raiders of the Lost Ark because I think you know animatronic Stan Winston was like quite big at the time and. He, he didn't use all of the practical effects. Oh, he, I think CGI was coming on the rise as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the whole, I think the simple rule for Jurassic Park is if you see a whole dinosaur, it's CGI. And if you see a part of a dinosaur, it's animatronics. Right. And he did yeah. that throughout the whole movie. And I think, and uh, I saw the documentary, I think I've watched every documentary of Jurassic Park and the, the, nice. for the T-Rex was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, he it just... was life size. It was, it, people had to make sure they weren't on set because they could be killed because it's, so yes, crazy. it could, it could wreck shop pretty quick. <laughs> it was, it was crazy, but I just think the scene where you see the Brontosaurus for the first time mm-hmm. is just astounding. I think that I, I love that it's based on the book as well because the book is actually very different from the film. And I, yeah. I, mm. I like it when people do that and the film actually trumps the book, kind of like yeah. Fight Club in a way. Fight Club or The Shining or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and Shining is a very interesting battle between yeah. mm-hmm. heavyweights. And you, know, you, know, you can't even Absol- imagine them fighting over what mm-hmm. was better but yeah i think jurassic park for me in many ways i think the the, the dynamic of sam neill and the kids jeff goldblum i mean so you know richard attenborough as hammond i love the i think the way spielberg uses color has um his opinion because i read that his opinion was michael Crichton. you know michael Crichton, who wrote the book was mm-hmm. um he was a harvard graduate who didn't okay. do anything with his md at all he didn't do anything with it he said i'm just going to write films and he wrote a film called ER using his knowledge of uh, being a medical hmm. student. And yeah. Spielberg was going to direct the ER. I don't know if you guys know this. No, no. I did not know that. Mm-mm. He basically said to Spielberg, oh, I've just finished a novel. It's about dinosaurs. And Spielberg was like, what? Let me read it. <laughs> so he, he read it. Um, and then I think it was two days later, he offered him like 1.5 million for the novels. Like, we're making this right away. Wow. Incredible. Um, we're getting, they both exited ER. Uh, mm-hmm. right away and er was just left stranded just burned the script yeah, and left it alone <laughs> then someone picked it up and they decided let's not make a film let's make it into a tv series interesting wow yeah, and, and, and that's a, and then they said well let's cast someone that we don't know and they casted a guy called george clooney in it um <laughs> so in a way the jurassic park basically gave george clooney a career right one of the great moments of film history but you know that i mean one of the things i really like because um hammond's sort of opinion not hammond jeff goldblum's opinion and malcolm's opinion in it Mm -hmm. yeah is basically articulated through the author so the author's opinion is articulated through the character of got it goldblum and even spielberg's opinion is sort of articulated through hammond's character because Mm -hmm. steven spielberg wants to entertain he wants to you know present the park he wants to do everything for the audience which is what hammond does and michael Crichton wants to look at the ethics of it which is articulated by jeff goldblum and it's why jeff goldblum is wearing all black and it's why hammond's wearing all white to show that contrast. Mm. and there's all these subtleties in the cinematography the mise-en-scene of how spielberg did it and as the first movie i saw three times i watched it and i was like i'm just in it for the dinosaurs and the more and more <laughs> i watched the film i realized wow there's all these subtleties in this movie that i never really saw because i was just brainwashed by the dinosaurs yeah. yeah, my worst scene in that movie when I was growing up was the dinner scene where they're talking about the ethics of the park. Yeah, as I got older, that's the scene I love now, and yeah. I just love how that film has done it for me. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I've picked it as my number two. I just think it's uh, one of the best films. He's done. No, yeah, that's that's definitely a solid. Tr- it, it it was tough to just pick three. I mean, because yeah. again, you just go through it and you're like, oh yeah, Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that. Like it, it it's definitely hard to like. It's it's like picking not picking your favorite children, but like yeah, just picking something you yeah. love and having to go get rid of the rest of them. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I've, I'm a very, I've got a soft spot for the second movie, which was also directed by Steven Spielberg. So, yeah. uh, the fun fact, uh, or not so fun, just, <laughs> just interesting, <laughs> Nick, interesting Nick fact. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch the first one growing up. Okay. And then eventually I convinced my parents to buy uh, Jurassic Park 2 to watch because I didn't watch many movies in theaters. Yeah. So, yeah. I had the original VHS with the holographic uh t-rex mm, on the front and just obsessed over it so that was really my first true uh sit down with one of the jurassic park movies i eventually got i got to watch the original but i you know there's some movies that are so part of the zeitgeist so part of pop culture that you already know it as you're watching right. it kind of thing and so that was kind of the jurassic park experience for me and i still think it's a great film and for all the reasons that you've said but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I do have a little soft spot for Lost World and its problems. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, there are there are many problems with it, but I, I can't help but love it because, like you said, it's very nostalgic. Um, mm-hmm. We were born a year apart, and the '90s was basically the period where I was watching films. Um, yes, but yeah, it's interesting because from our list, I mean, Tanner, you've picked Last Crusade and Terminal. Nick, you've picked Catch Me If You Can and Raise the Lost Art. So we've gone for. One 80s film from Nick and one 2000 post-millennial film from another one from Nick. Mm-hmm. Tanner, you've gone for a post-millennial film and you've gone for a, uh, an 80s film. So we haven't hit 70s yet, but we may just get there. We may even get another 80s film. So it'll be very interesting mm. to see our top mm. film. So without further ado, Tanner, after your third best movie, which was The Last Crusade, and then the second movie, The Terminal. What is your favorite Spielberg movie of all time? This one was the easiest <laughs> for me <laughs> to pick. There is no, there's no debating this one for me. It's 1991 classic. I, I could quote this movie till the day I die. I can sit there and listen to the soundtrack and just talk the movie while the soundtrack's going on. Mm-hmm. Is Hook. Hook, wow! I'm I'm absolutely uh, flabbergasted of that choice. It is I'm, it is notably, I think everyone's like, oh, it's one of his worst films, and I'm like, no, no, it's not. You just don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, did you see this coming? By the way, I did. You did okay. about I, I about did. about a hundred miles, uh, two thousand <laughs> yeah. miles away, to be exact. <laughs> so listen, I mean, we well, have to explain this. I mean, uh, yeah. you guys grew up together in Oklahoma. We don't know who you are, Tanner, yet. Explain I... Hook. Go ahead, Tanner. Okay, explain Hook in what sense. Why what you... is the best Spielberg film? It, it, it's such an encapsulation of like childhood fantasy and childhood adventure through the eyes of an adult, mm-hmm. right? And the... Just the idea, I'm a huge, like, Peter Pan is one of my favorite all-time stories. And just the idea when I saw this film of, like, Pan growing up, forgetting who he is, and then having to rediscover his childhood nature is, like, mind-blowing at the time when I watched it. And, of course, like, I'm a kid, so, like, 
I'm, you know, watching the food fight scene and I'm watching, you know, the Lost Boys like chasing him down and like shooting him with these like paint darts and all this stuff and like loving it. And like, but it's, it's one of these movies that like every single time I watch it at least like a couple of times a year. Amazing. Um, Every time I watch it never fails. I will be like bawling my eyes out by the end. And like, I mean, this is, this is exactly why, I mean, you bring such a unique style to this uh, podcast because this is not a conventional pick. I would have put about six other movies before (laughs) uh, Hook in terms of, well, maybe more to be honest, but I I mean, Hook, I mean, I love Robin Williams. I don't get me wrong. I love Robin Williams Yeah, and I love Peter Pan. Um, as a film, I think it is, I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely up there because he does a lot with it. Um, right. But what you've picked is very interesting. And I love that you've picked Hook because it is actually one of his hidden gems. I absolutely have yeah. that because he, he hasn't done a film like this. Uh, no. Really. And he's actually based it on uh, a book like he does with Jurassic Park, but he's taken a new angle and he's done mm-hmm. fantasy with it. I mean, right. did, w- w- was it Spielberg specifically that drew you to this film or was it Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, Dustin Hoffman? Or? It was, I mean, it was probably Robin Williams more so because yeah. like uh, in a weird way growing up, he resembled my father so much. Like my dad and like Corey, our other co-host, yeah. His dad, like, look a lot like Rob Williams. Oh, wow. And so, like, growing up, seeing him as this, like, father figure on screen yeah. just brought me in so much quicker. Because, like, I could just... It was so easy to fall into him as this, like, father figure on screen because he was so connected to me in that way. No, that- um, I mean, I mean, I can't argue with Robin Williams being one of your main catalysts for picking that film because I think yeah. it's the only time they worked together, uh, Spielberg and Robin Williams, mm-hmm. was a great collaboration and they made magic happen, literally. And yeah. I can't argue. I mean, Robin Williams is one of my favorite actors. He still is. Um, mm-hmm. God rest I think it's one of, the, one of the main roles of his that meets between his comedy and his dr- drama. Because yeah. yeah. he has to do so much of both in the movie. And... Uh, and I was thinking about this the other day too, because uh, Hook is a, a group favorite. Really, uh, is that I don't know of anyone else that could play that role. It would be hard to find someone to. They, it would be it would be different no matter who played it. I think, but it would be hard to find anyone to replicate that. Well, that would be a very interesting episode. Yeah, next, indeed. Like, don't, don't take mm. it anywhere. Just recast it in 1991 and see what happens. Mm. Right, um, that would be uh, yeah. I, I have to agree. I can't imagine anyone playing Peter Pan um, like Robin. No. Did. and it, it was it was one of his best performances in terms of capturing that image of youth and also that dark side of the story as well. Yes, uh, you know, Tanner, I'm you know shocked and also <laughs> that you picked that as your best film. I think I yeah. like Nick said earlier. I think I'm just going to have to watch Hook again. I'm going to have to find ah. it and watch it. So I don't think I've seen that in a good three four years. I think I watched Popeye recently as well. Wow. Oh, yeah. Popeye. Yeah, nice. I need, I need to watch that one. I loved Popeye in it. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> was in this. But, and, Popeye yeah. got like buried. And then I, I'd, and I, it was always just like, I knew it, it existed. And then I was listening to a podcast where these guys w- would go through the 80s. And every month they talk about the movies that came out of that particular year and month. And yeah. they talked about Popeye. And like, it was not the way they were describing it, it was not at all what I thought the movie was. Cause I've only seen like, 
the opening 10 minutes of it because it was on TNT or something at some yeah. point. And I was like, oh, I'll watch this later. But it's yeah. actually, it's a good film. I, I think it's his first film, Robin Williams. Is, yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it, from what I understand, and just correct me when I could go completely off the rails of it, but it seems like <laughs> he was trying to capture the spirit of the cartoon. And so a lot of the, not necessarily, it's not cartoon completely, but like a lot of movement and a lot of character choices and stuff are based around not so much what's realistic, but like kind of what would that character do kind of in the cartoon and let's make that a, somewhat of a realistic version. Well, no, of that. I think you, I mean, you can agree with me there, Tana. I think you yeah. Yeah. Head, I think they, they've done yeah. it. I think it was a really uh, a good portrayal of Popeye. I'm surprised they haven't actually tried to do it again. Um, yeah. One of the it, yeah. I think they should have really tried to remake in terms of, um, mm-hmm. assuming they've gone high on remakes, but yeah, I thought right. it, was a, it was a great film. I thought the tone was perfect. I thought in terms of un- being unrealistic to, oh, this is actually a drama is actually quite yeah. good. Mm-hmm. It feels like it feels like one of those movies that was misunderstood because it was trying to capture the spirit of the original. And exactly. And and I think of the the two other ones I think of with this is Rocky and Booinkle and Speed Racer. <laughs> because Rocky mm-hmm. and Booinkle, everyone's like, oh, it's trash. Like, no, that's exactly what Rocky and Booinkle is. Like, if you watch those yeah. cartoons growing up, it's terrible jokes and just camp. And like they they nailed it. It's just like that was yeah. for the fans of the of that. And Speed Racer was was the Wazowski's just going, we're going to try and make like anime, but on a live action <laughs> thing. And, and just because that's what anime is, is over stylized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely correct. Speed Race is very overlooked, um, underlooked. Yes. Actually, yeah. I finally watched it and I was like, this is just too advanced for people. Like not, not being like that pretend it's like, this is just doing too much. <laughs> like right. the, the, the cuts and in within cuts within all this stuff and the hyper CGI stuff. Like I could tell why some people just went, that's I can't do this. I gotta. No, I gotta. Walk, I gotta. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, Tanner, I have to thank you for Hook because a lot of people are going to revisit Hook now, and that's the beauty of these old films that you haven't yeah. seen in so long. And now, and Hook was actually. I'm just looking at my list. Hook was the film he made before Jurassic Park. Yes. So yeah. Um. You know, this was during. This was when he was about to make ER as well. So I think after Man. he was going to make ER, and then that happened. So. Hook is your number one, Tanner. So Tanner's top three list is Hook at number one, The Terminal with Tom Hanks at number two, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at number three. So we go to Nick. (coughs) Excuse me. Nick, your number one Spielberg film. You've picked number three as Catch Me If You Can, number two Raiders Mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark. What is your number one Spielberg film? All right, so here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> no matter what I pick as number one, people out in the world are just going to hate on me anyway. Wait, so <laughs> because, uh, no. because, oh. because it is Spielberg, because people are just going to sit there and go, well, you didn't pick this, you didn't pick E.T., you didn't pick Jurassic Park. And you picked Tintin, gir- we get it. Right, yeah, yeah. Color uh, <laughs> purple is what you're picking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's so many movies that you could say, yes, these are great movies. Are like everyone can agree all around. He just makes good movies, like, excellent yeah. top tier movies yeah. and stuff. Totally, so, anyone's top three is gonna be great. But we're gonna debate, kind of like we talked about Tarantino. These are some of those guys. It's just like the three. It's gonna change from person to person. Yeah, yeah. So, I am not gonna apologize. 
I went, I leaned, I did, I did, I broke the one thing that most people hate is I did lean a little bit into nostalgia too much. I'm on the edge of my seat here. I'm, I'm, yeah, me too. I don't know and what to say. So I, I, this is my very unapologetic choice. I just followed my heart with it, you know, as they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having said all that, yeah, all his films are great. <laughs> I acknowledge Jurassic Park and all that stuff. I also went with Hook. Wow. We've got two hooks as number one. I I did not see this one coming. This was surprising. <laughs> really, Tana, you didn't see this coming? No, I I mean, like I know that we all like it, but I was we not all Tanner. We it. all love Hook. Let's yes. get that correct. I mean, well, let's. I there's going to be a large rental for Hook um, in the UK. I hope so. If we can revive. You're going to do viewings. Yeah, you're going to see Robin Williams spur up. You're going to see Steven Spielberg's Hook. Oh my God! So, Nick. Hook, what has Tanner said, or what hasn't he said, that you can explain to us of why Hook is your number one Spielberg film? All the reasons he said, and just to back back that up more and give kind of the reasoning, I guess, if you will, if there's even a need for it, but but there is. I'm here to defend Hook with Tanner because it's this weird movie, not in the sense that the movie itself is weird, but in the sense that it fit in this period of time where it's like, if you grew up watching it, you loved it. Like yeah. you loved it. But if you don't fit that window, if you're before the time or after it, you hate it and you think it's garbage and you get stupid. Right. And I, and I don't, I, I have, we've watched it so many times. I don't watch it all the time, you know, yeah. cause, but like when I watch it and I think it was a couple of years ago, the last time I sat down and watched all of it, but I I try to sit there with like even an analytical brain and sit there and go like, what's wrong with this movie? And other than like the length of time, which is a, it's a two hour, two and a half, two forty five movie, which is pretty long for a family kids movie. I don't, I, it's hard to find a lot of flaws to me and maybe you can help, help us process this. But I sit there, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I don't see the problem you have top tier acting and casting yeah. by Robin Williams. Dustin Hoffman literally is Captain Hook. Like I didn't know Brilliant. that was Dustin Hoffman Neither did I. Neither until did I. maybe five or 10 years ago and went, what? And my yeah. brain broke. And then, I mean, Bob Hoskins, just me. Maybe. And then, it, and then the, the throwbacks to the original script, which aren't forced, but they just fit right in from, from them making little comments here and there to the final fight scene, like they're just saying the lines and it's just perfect. The music's hitting. Um, the movie was originally supposed to be a musical and oh, really? they switched it that. to being hmm. just a straight up movie. And that's why there are so many themes in it and stuff. Like I think all those were the start of some song that we were supposed to hear. That's why oh. um, that makes sense. Tanner, Tanner yeah. tell me his Peter Pan's daughter's name is uh, Maggie. Maggie, Maggie has her song in the movie. I think that's obviously the one they kept, but I think yeah. there was more to it. And then it's kind of like Tanner said, it's about a childhood and growing up, but also kind of that dark side of it, like forgetting what it means to be childlike and have the world being full of wonder and all that stuff. And some people think that the opening is a bit slow, getting us to Neverland yeah. slow, but you can't have the movie without that. You have to establish that Peter Pan is not Peter Pan anymore, and he's kind of unlikable. Right. And like it, it's the journey that he goes through 
kind of rediscovering himself, but also realizing like what's important. It's one of those movies I would equate it with. It's a wonderful life that every time you mm. watch it, you get something different out of it at from the, where you are. It's like a life checkpoint. You're wow. like, okay. Yeah. Cause as a kid, you're like, maybe I, I relate to Jack. Maybe I relate to the lost boys. I want to be Rufio so badly. <laughs> um, and then as you get older, like maybe it's like you start to relate to Captain Hook. You're like, or you start to relate to Peter Pan or, or one of the adult characters. Like it, it's mm-hmm. one of those that I feel like you get something different out of it every time. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away, Nick. I'm blown away, Tanner. I mean, you, you've both picked the same film. You both grew up in Oakland. I, you obviously caught the window right in the sweet spot. Yeah. And I think I know we, I know we didn't get Corey on here. I don't know what his top one would be, but he would, he would, he might, he might say we're both idiots and then yeah, say, probably. obviously it's this. He does his hot take though. He would tell you is that he prefers Congo over Jurassic park. That well, sorry. Say that once more, please. So I <laughs> just, just so it, just so it actually processes yeah. in your brain. He prefers Congo, the movie versus Jurassic park. He was not a dinosaur guy. Oh my God. Oh my word, Corey! Yeah. If you're listening, um, we're going to have to get you on this show and talk about that because that is a huge statement. That's to make. that's his hot Spielberg take. take so. Yeah, we'll we'll have to talk about that. I mean, I'm, I might have to watch Congo now and just see what's <laughs> going on about. <laughs> I've seen it, but but, but <laughs> you know, Ash, tell me tell me your perspective on it because like, and and yeah. I think me and Tanner are in a bubble of sorts because we I it think- became kind of a unifying movie. I think mm-hmm. amongst our friend group, especially there for a while of just like. Because we would quote it all the time, and but go ahead. But I think what you've just touched on upon there is why we go to the cinema, why we love movies, because that the whole reason we go is the experience and what it does for you. And you, mm-hmm. no one's going to have the same experience. I mean, you're going to have, you know, if you watch a Michael Bay film, yeah, you, you've got a bit of adrenaline, but you're not when yeah. you have these '80s movies that Spielberg did. Or if you've if you've managed to find a time of your life where you're growing up and you've managed to you're going through some difficult things at home or you're going through something that you can relate to on screen with an actor and you mm-hmm. have to watch a film that just relates to you a hundred percent, which talks to you. That's yeah. where the magic happens. And that will always happen as you grow up. It's, it's just right. your way of finding it. You have to find that movie to best fit what you're going through in life right now. Goodwill hunting did that with a lot of people um, in the nineties. I mean, look what Tanner's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I think 1991, Nick, what you were three, four, four years old. Uh, that would be th- yeah three or four and so. you probably didn't watch it till you're what five six seven maybe i you know it's it's another one of those movies like i said like it's like it's just always existed so i yeah. i'm i keep finding that i watched a lot of movies much earlier nothing Corey watched a lot of r-rated horror movies way too early yeah, and i yeah. watched a lot of these movies like i i already had like it's always been ingrained in my brain i don't know a true point i can't sit there and go i was three years old when i watched this i was like i feel like i might have started watching these when i was like two so. this is this is exactly why i mean i love films because unlike maths or science or anything academic there's no actual wrong answer I mean, Corey has every right to say Congo is better than Jurassic Park. And many will say you're wrong, but they can't be proven that, you you know. Yeah. Whatever reason Corey thinks that, I mean, he has his own reasons. He might have caught a very small window, just like you guys did with Hook. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think Hook did have or emulate that window for a a lot of people in in Britain and definitely in Europe because Robin Williams was a big actor and he's loved over here i mean yeah. loved in america but 
We love Robin Williams here. I mean, we love yeah, his we love, we Absolutely. love Doubtfire. We love Jumanji. I mean, we couldn't even name... Uh, I mean, if I had to name a top three uh, Robin Williams film, that would be harder than the Spielberg thing that I'm doing right now. He yeah. had so many great roles. And they all... I mean, for instance, Patch Adams or Mrs. Doubtfire, they all hit home. You know, they go about, uh, about divorce or mental illness. And they all yeah. hit certain notes with certain people. And I think mm-hmm. what you guys have just done here is gone over a window in your lives that have just connected with you and i think what robin williams and spielberg did is connect with you in a way that's probably never going to happen again because of yeah. that time of your life and i think mm-hmm. that i think you've done the right thing and i can't say it's right or wrong but i can respect it and i um, you know screw the people who are going to say et <laughs> how dare yeah. you et well, was a, yeah, a classic Dave and private ryan you know just you know yeah. with them I mean, I think you've picked it for the right reasons and I've just got to, you know, respect it. I mean, yeah, everyone can say, you know, the beach scene in Save a Private Ryan is amazing. Unless you were fighting in right. World War II and that connected with you, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Little bit. It's yeah. just a cool action sequence. I mean, mm-hmm. what you guys right. are, something genuine and authentic, you know. Yeah, I, I say Hook being my top, top number one pick, knowing that it's very influenced by nostalgia, my love for Robin Williams, yeah, my right. love for just that, everything about the movie hits me in a nineties kid sense and that, right. In that growing up and that being a child in that sense, cool. but also, but also being analytical and going, I still enjoy it because there's movies you watch as a kid and you could grow up and watch go. Yeah, that that's still a bad movie, but I really love it. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those, I have a hard time. So they're going like, I have finding issues with it. Right. And, and yeah, I, I could sit there and go, well, technically, if you're talking about technicality or like, in terms of technical filmmaking, what's the best movie? You may not have Hook in the top three, but I think me and Tanner are both like, this is just our favorite of, of yeah. all of them. Well, listen, lads, I think you've actually reignited something uh, yes. for our audiences here, and I think there will definitely be... Um, I don't know where you can find Hook. I don't know if it's on our Netflix. I think it might be on Amazon Prime, actually. So we will definitely be... I'll be posting that on my uh, my Instagram yeah. Sure, because Hook has definitely hit some notes of me as well when I grew up, and I haven't revisited. You can watch Hook on Amazon, <laughs> Vudu, uh, YouTube, Google Play, and even iTunes for rent for most of those. So. We have it. We have to revisit a Robin Williams classic and a Spielberg classic. film. Mm-hmm. So we have the number one for Tanner and for Nick. So me and Nick have gone for the same number three. Nick and Tanner have gone for the same number one. And yes, let us know. <laughs> I mean, my number one is probably one that is expected. Okay. Um, it's, I mean, all I have to give you is a decade and you'll probably tell me what film it is. It's in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, <laughs> I think you already know what it is. Um, <laughs> it, it, it has to be for me because it's two notes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big shark and it's people stuck on a boat. Yes. I, what I love about this film, and if you haven't guessed already, it's the 1970. Am I right in saying six or five? I think it's 76. I will double check for you. The suspense is killing everyone who has no idea what I'm doing. You are 75. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, uh, I, I mean, mine, yeah, very expected, very, um, you know, very commercial. But. but at the same time, you're, again, like we've talked about, like, you're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. The right answer. I mean, that's why I, I enjoyed Tanner on uh, Dark Knight, uh, your podcast, because I was like, well, he's not wrong. 
what he's saying. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he might be wrong. <laughs> so. uh, because I was like, really? And I was like, well, actually, you know what? He's got a point as well. But, you know, that, that's what I love about films because you can't be wrong and you can always respect someone else's opinion. You can always question yeah. someone else's opinion. Like, this mate of yours, Corey, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, have a chat with him about the Congo <laughs> thing. But that, that I still haven't understood yet. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of monsters. I mean, my top two films are monster movies, Jaws and Jurassic Park. But... What, one thing I like about Jaws, because I listened to your episode on Jaws, mm-hmm. um, amazing recast, by the way. What was it, 2008? Uh, 2015 or 16 you did? We, no, we did 2020. 2020. We gambled. Oh, yeah, we gambled have... and hoped that no one would make movies that year. Was it Christian <laughs> so... Bale or Fastman that you ended up choosing? We, we ended up with Bale, yeah. Because that's a great choice for um, Brody, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, McAvoy and who was Dreyfus's role? Did she? we end up with Del Toro? As Del Toro, yeah, Benicio yeah. Del Toro. We had as yeah. Quint, and then yeah, uh, McAvoy was uh, Hooper. Yeah, and then you had Kirsten Dunst as the wife, which was uh, mm-hmm. which I thought when Sally. I now I said they're both in Wimbledon, by the way, so their chemistry is quite good. But they, don't oh, yeah. love, they don't play lovers in that film. I think Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst are lovers, but right, Jaws, yeah, Jaws for me, um, many reasons. Um, it's classed as a horror film, but and I'm a big horror fan. It's really not a horror film. However, the elements of style, which is why I love Spielberg, is very, um, he basically shapes how a horror narrative should go. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I know, I mean, he didn't really intentionally do it, but I know there was problems with Bruce the Shark, but the right. anticipation of showing your main antagonist is one that I only first saw in Jaws because mm. you never see the shark until near the end of the movie and it's such a big deal um you have Mm -hmm. a few scares in the movie which again you discussed in your podcast but what i really loved about the movie is it's basically two movies it's the shark uh and this town and then it's the boat scene and it's two yeah it's basically two movies and Mm -hmm. to do that i think m night Shyamalan did that with um the happening which I'm not even going to praise that film. <laughs> it, it, that is the only example I can think of right now because the, the movie is basically two things. It's this big event and then it's, they're at this house, if you've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Two completely different things happening in the movie. And Jaws mm-hmm. is exactly the same with one like component, which is the shark. And I thought, and I've never seen that before. And I was thinking, how, is he, how has someone managed to do that? Like half yeah. of it is on a boat and the other half is in a town. And I'm like, oh, okay. How has he done that? And I just, everything about it, you know, the music, the performance, the, you know, the, the one shots he did, you know, I, I, you've got the cinematography in it. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, the performances were great. Uh, Robert Shaw was mm-hmm. amazing. And I know there was a lot of friction behind the scenes, let's put mm-hmm. it. But yeah. For me, to, I, I just think, I mean, it's a technically the first blockbuster, like you guys mentioned. Your mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, to touch on two of the points you made, you yeah. know, uh, I think, yeah, the the two halves of the movie, it's just kind of like we talked about Hook. Like people were like, well, the beginning's slow or something. Well, you don't get all of Jaws if you don't establish the town, the politics, right. the okay. characters themselves and their own struggles. Because once, once you finally get them on the boat, it's now you know these three yeah. are just going to... There's, there's it's a, just there's a, a duke it out yeah movie. kind of thing between yeah, at that the, point and their different philosophies on life and how they want to handle the shark and all this different stuff. And at the same time, yeah, the shooting style, you know, there's obviously people talk about, I can't watch old movies. They're too slow for me or blah, blah, blah. But there's even a difference in the filmmaking style back then, even in the 70s, because Spielberg 
did a lot of wider shots and there was a lot of blocking that went on. And, and in those shots, you'd have, you go from a wide shot to a close up to, to yeah. a two shot and, and not to get too technical for people, but like the, the, the scene, the, oh, the camera stayed the same, but like, because of the way people were moving, it became different types of shots. Yeah, yeah. And so, and he was just a master at that. Like, I, I just think of the scene on when they're riding the ferry to the yeah, Island. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the camera just stays there, but there's a lot of movement in the background. Yes, and mm-hmm. I always thought in my head, like if one of those actors got one of those scenes wrong, that I had to rechart the boat. Redo back. it, start it over. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god, and one mm-hmm. and that and that, you know those things is what the things I appreciate with Jaws. Like oh, I've never seen you know a Tarantino s take done like that before with yeah production design, or mm. I haven't seen this animatronic before, or this really the simplicity in the score, and it turns mm-hmm. out to be one of the best scores in cinematic history, and. That's why I love Jaws, and that's why it's my uh, all-time favorite Spielberg film. And, mm-hmm. You know, not only so, but I'm still more interested in Hook at the moment because I've got this <laughs> ache in my head where I have to. Yeah. I haven't seen it in so long, so it's sketchy. But I want to go revisit it now, and I've got it in front mm-hmm. of my screen right now on IMDb. So I'm just like, oh, she's in it, he's in it. So I need to yeah. go in it. But guys, look, thank you so much for giving me your top three. Um, I'm just going to give oh, it yeah. down right now. So. Tanner, your top three Spielberg movies was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at number three. Nick, you picked Catch Me If You Can for number three, as mm-hmm. did I. For our number two choice of best Spielberg film, Tanner, you went for the Tom Hanks, The Terminal. Nick, you went for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. And for the all-time favorite Steven Spielberg film, both of you, Oklahoma Boys, Born and raised, picked the 1991 Robin Williams hook, which I am having to revisit now because, you know, I have to see it. I have to see yeah. it. what have I missed because it did connect with me when I saw it. But it's just one of those films I got lost and I got overcrowned with Michael Bay films and Tarantino films. You have after. to remember, Peter, you have to find your way. <laughs> you have to fly again. <laughs> and uh, my number one was Jaws, which classed me on to our Jaws recast, which is the final part of a podcast. And it is a little bit of a diversion from what you guys usually do on your podcast. So let me explain what we're going to do here. So Jaws has three main characters, three men, three lads who hunt down the shark that they call Bruce, named after, I believe, Spielberg's lawyer. But that's mm-hmm. not the film. That's just some inside. <laughs> just of a little fun fact. Some fun fact. So, <laughs> Tanner, if you could, could you name me the professions of those three guys for me? Yeah. So we've got Martin Brody, who's played by uh, Roy Scheider, yeah. who is the police chief, police I believe. Like the yeah. everyday police officer guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Police officer. And we've got um, Quint, played by Robert Shaw, yeah, yeah. who um, is a shark hunter fisherman. Kind of fish, rugged fisherman kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Matt Hooper, who is from the, what is it, Oceanologist Institute. Shark expert. Kind shark of expert, guy. lover of sharks, yeah. That guy. So we've got three very different guys stuck on a boat right now. Yeah. And together, you know, together they actually do kill the shark at the end of the movie mm-hmm. with some success and with some tragedies as well. Yes. Um, so obviously, spoiler alert, if you've seen the film, to survive, 
Well, actually, we do they survive? Because we don't actually see them survive. We just see them paddle. It's a, right. it's a long way back to shore. It is a long way back to shore. <laughs> and, how, and, they, and they found another shark at the beginning of the movie. So how, there yeah. might be some more sharks. I don't know. Well, that, that's another one, though. Yes, 100%. That was my thought. I was like, 100 to 1, it's this shark. So there's that many sharks in this water. Exactly, yeah. I caught up on that as well. I was like, well, mate, but that shark can still kill them. But yeah, yeah. Robert Shaw definitely dies. And the other two, well, there's question marks over them. So what I want to do, guys, is I want to recast the characters, not the actors, the characters mm-hmm. of those three. We're going to get rid of them. And we're going to recast them with any other characters from a Spielberg movie that he has directed. And they mm-hmm. will have to, you have to explain the reasons why you'd have them there. What oh, would they bring to killing the shark? What expertise would they have? So... We ha- well, originally I was going to just choose professions, but I'm not going to do that. We're just going to pick three characters okay. from Spielberg movies. So, Nick, we're going to start with you. I would like I you to it. name the character. Tell me what film he's from and why he would be an invaluable member on... Is it the Orca, the boat? I think so. The Orca. Yeah, the Orca. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Why, would he, why should he or she be on that boat to hunt down the shark? Okay. So I... I, I kind of followed the archetype of each character a little bit, just in terms of their profession. Mm-hmm. So for Hooper, I picked uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, wow. played by Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park. Yes. Uh, just not that he's a marine biologist or anything, but he's off. But I think he would be the kind of the uh, a a devil's advocate of sorts of being like, you know, Coming up with he he would be agitating the other characters obviously just just as much as uh, Richard Dreyfus would but he, yeah. with his own in his own uh, in Malcolm way but he would be the one kind of philosophizing how, whatever that word is and <laughs> but bringing bringing a more scientific uh, brain to the operation yeah, yeah. absolutely that's a solid pick would he be wearing his black outfit on the boat absolutely oh, absolutely. Oh, he, he, in Malcolm's yeah. got to be in style got to be in all black. All in black in the heat. No, I love that. Ian Malcolm. So he's a, by trade, he is a chaos theorist. A theorist. Yes, yes. He studies chaos. He's a mathematician in the book. Mm-hmm. So you have brought a mathematician on the boat in the name of Ian Malcolm. Yes. I think that's a very solid choice, Nick. I'm impressed. All Thank right, you. Yeah. Tanner, what is your first choice for characters to bring on this boat? Okay. So Malcolm was like one of my first thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's classic, like hits all the marks. Yeah, yeah. I went instead, I went with Ellie from Jurassic Park. Wow. Ellie. Just, yeah, just because I think like, I don't know, I have this like, um, this thought in my head, like, because I see the scenes, right, of Hooper like coming onto uh, the docks and he's like, Oh, that guy's going to die. Oh, they're dead. They're not coming back. And like, I just (laughs) saw Ellie like walking through and, you know, like ripping off her glasses like she does in, um, uh, in the Jeep, right? When you see the brontosaurus. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, I think I thought she really brought an expertise, like my, like, uh, personality, I guess is what it was like into, into that role. Absolutely. I think, yeah. So by trade, she's a botanist. Um, yeah. She's very smart. 
we don't know if she's going to live or die. I like the complexity of that as well. She's mm-hmm. a woman, which I like even more. And she's another addition from a Jurassic Park universe. So we've got Ellie and Malcolm on the boat, from your boats anyway. Um, yeah. I've also gone in the Jurassic Park oh. world. I haven't gone for Grant, though, and I haven't actually gone from the first movie. I've actually gone oh. Oh. Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and I've gone for Roland, played by Fossil Watt. Um, yes. Um, and he's very brief in that movie, but he plays the hunter in the lost world. I don't know if you remember um, him. He has a very extreme monologue. He's after the Tyrannosaurus. That's the one. Great accent. Great accent. Um, you might know him from, he plays the, he's in the Omen. Um, he's in, the he's Tan- in the departed. He, yes. he's the flower shop owner. Flower shop owner. Yeah. That's he's him. the pre, he's the priest Tanner in uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Mm. Solid. He's the priest in the Omen, the remake with Liev Schneider, which yes. incidentally tomorrow is the six of the six. Just the uh, out. Okay, so I think tomorrow you guys got to put up my crosses, which also has Sam Neil in the original. There you go. All these links coming around. Oh my god, Doing Sam Neil. Um, but yeah, so I've picked uh, Roland just because of um, how determined yeah. he is to get the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and also how he doesn't take any money at the end. I love his moral judgment um, as a character because mm-hmm. um, he starts out as a bad guy, and then when yeah. they trek through the forest, he actually stops to see if Julianne Moore's okay. Mm-hmm. If the kids are okay. Um, so mm-hmm. I like his complexity as a character. And I think he'd be a very good addition on the boats. I don't know who he'd be replacing, but I'd want him he, on the boat. He kind of has a quint flavor to him. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 I, I, had, I did watch, I, I think I, over like Christmas break or something, I was watching the Jurassic Park movies on TV. And I remember watching Lost World again this time being like, I like that character a lot. And he's yeah. like, one of the few that like he starts bad, has a redemptive kind of in the sense of like we figure out who he is and he actually gets to live. <laughs> so. no, I like that. I like that. And I think the, la- the, the last shot of that movie, I don't know if you guys remember it, um, it's very ambiguous because you don't know if you know, he's upset because he's mm. actually distraught that they're actually going to get dinosaurs off this island. Right. Right. Um, because he just kind of walks off at the end and yeah, kind of says and bye. I, like that. I think they, they should have a. I mean, he, he unfortunately passed away as the actor. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and I think Spielberg actually called him one of the greatest actors alive at the time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's quoted in saying that. I think it was on Rolling Stones magazine. I think he said it in like 2006. So this is after he worked with Tom Cruise, Leo, Tom Hanks. Wow. Yeah. And he said, no, the best actor in the world is uh, uh, Pete Postlewatt. So I was like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely have Roland on the boat on the Orca. So. Love that. Uh, not Nick. Tanner. We're going to go back to Tanner, I think. After. <laughs> Ellie, who is your second member to join Ellie? Remember, the dynamics have to be correct with Ellie, who's all now also on the boat. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here we go. This Dude. one's a little bit of a stretch, but I think this character fit, I think he fit Quint so well yeah. to like his mindset <laughs> is Captain James Hook. He's... <laughs> he's not stopping if you if, literally if you replace the shark with a crocodile he's and going then, and then quint with a, like quint's hand with a hook it's, it's the same it's the same, same person it's the same, yeah. it's the same person it's the same like, <laughs> oh my <laughs> uh i mean he is a little overdressed and i'm sure this boat is a little too small for his liking are we going in the are we going in the orca or are we going in captain hook's ship <laughs> oh I mean, I feel like we'd have to go in the Orca, but oh, okay. All right. <laughs> if you bring, if you bring Captain Hook's ship on, like 
you're getting you're getting that shark real easy. <laughs> There's well, uh, 40 men there. Like, what? I, I, I don't dispute that. I think that's a very smart pick. Would he be Would he be getting on with Ellie though? I mean, I think he probably. If we're going on the same thing of like the movie, I don't think there's a reason for him to like. I, I fully guess I don't fully understand in the original movie like why they really hated each other, other than the fact that like Quint was like, "Oh, you got soft hands. You're like you're not a workman." You know what I, I think, mean? Like, yeah, I think Quint. Yeah, just sees Quint sees Hooper as just not a manly man as himself, and 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 in, in, in flip of that, Hooper sees him as just this crazy old man. Right? Oh, they're they're one is more modern, future minded, and the other one is like the old ways kind of minded. Yeah. So I think like, I think Ellie would definitely have the uh, perspective of like, this dude's insane. Like, do you see this man? Like, there's no reason we should be following this guy to our deaths. No, and I, then, I, I think that's, yeah. a good, no, you've got a captain and you've got a botanist on the boat. At the yeah. moment. I think they could, you know, they could, they could work wonders on that boat, especially yeah. for Bruce the shark. No, I, I like that pig. And, and to be honest, before the top three Spielberg films, I was expecting a hook character in this one so i've been ill prepared for that so Fair. i think i think it's a good pick actually so we've got thank you captain james hook and ellie satzler on the boat so far nick we have ian malcolm who is joining our mathematician so i also chose captain hook <laughs> wow <laughs> nick for the same kind of reasons did you basically. cheat did you did you look off my paper i nick? i i might have the same room tanner's <laughs> computer Oh, Captain Hook, that's a good choice. Uh, no, I, I just to play devil's advocate a little bit, just to play off it, I will pick the Jolly Roger, which I just Googled to find out what Captain Hook's ship's name is. So oh, yes. we, will, we will hop on the Jolly Roger, and but just means we have to beef up Ruth the Shark a bit and make him even more ter- terrifying than before. A what? Neverland Shark. Yeah, he's a Neverland Shark. And somehow Dr. Ian Malcolm has stumbled... Has uh, followed uh, Peter Peter Pan to uh, the, uh, the, the, the 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 Neverland. So, well, no, I mean, in terms of you know, the mathematician, he could help him navigate the boat. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know, there's a good uh, and the conversation will be great because that oh, yeah, yeah. The, the another standout scene in the movie might as well just be a one act play of them just sitting in the boat and just talking to each other and talking yeah. about their experiences and stuff. <laughs> He might do the, you know, drop the water on uh, Captain Hook's hand like he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to, what do you think Chaos Theory is going to be about? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that scene. Um, I've gone for a bit of a weird one. Um, Ooh. So I apologize. No. I've gone for Stanley Tushi in The Terminal. Oh. I've gone for, I can't remember his name, um, but he's obviously the airport superintendent uh, who's uh-huh. in charge of um, JFK, I believe the airport is at. Okay. I just think he'd be a great addition on the boat. He's, he's always, he's driven. He's mm-hmm. had to get Tom Hanks in the terminal. So he's got that mindset to all, he, he's got to get that shark. I think he's got that obsessive nature to him. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think he's a, I think he's a, an every man. He's not likable in that movie. However, he doesn't do anything malicious really in the terminal. And I think there is another side to him. I hope there is. And I think if you put him in the right direction of, let's say, killing a shark, for instance, I think he would be formidable in hunting down a shark. I don't know. That that I just I love his character in the terminal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's great. Like oh, he definitely has that like focused, like get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. Like attitude. Like yeah. I can see that. 
And he also, there's that scene where he's, he's got that audit and he finds those drugs in those walnuts. I don't know if that was staged for the audit, but if, yeah. he's, if he's just suave and very, you know, detective-like like that, then yeah, there's definitely a guy I want on the boat. Uh, yeah. Even though he's not like, he's the antagonist in the terminal. But yeah, that's who I've gone for. I've gone for Stanley Tucci. I need to find out what his name is in the terminal. Uh, Frank Dixon. Frank Dixon, yeah. So I've got Frank Dixon on there with my Roland at the moment. I don't know if them would actually, I don't okay. know if they'd get on actually, because they might <laughs> bust up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're both antagonists in a way, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, be uh, fun, Nick, Nick, we're going to come to you. Okay. For your final member of the Orca, you've got Captain James Hook and you've got Dr. Ian Malcolm. Mm-hmm. You've got a captain and you've got a mathematician. Who is the final member of your voyager for the shark i'm gonna guess that tanner can guess <laughs> who i'm gonna pick for oh, this yeah. role Uh-oh. um but it is it is our the world famous archaeologist <laughs> indiana jones Boom. Boom. um he he will obviously be kind of playing off of the brody role a bit in, yeah. in the term of the three but he'll be kind of the voice of reason a bit i but I want to, I want him to be kind of in the mode of temple of doom, Indiana Jones, where oh, it's, yeah. it's yeah. all about fortune and glory. I'm going to go out and get this shark, the biggest shark we've ever seen, you know, known to man or something. And then by the end, his character arc by the end will be like, just let it die. Just let it, we, we got to kill it. <laughs> got to get rid of it. Some things just belong in the sea, kid. So. <laughs> uh, Nick, I can't argue with Indiana Jones. I think that's a great pick. I was going to ask you, even before you mentioned it, Indiana Jones from what film? But I think yeah. you've already said Temple of Doom, and I think that's a very interesting pick. Um, Thank you. Hannah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Nick, I was actually expecting, not expecting that, I was expecting uh, Catch Me If You Can, Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fair. That's, that's fair. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because um, yeah, I, so that's who, that's who I wrote down. Yeah. I brought a second one because I was like, well, Nick's going to, that's who Nick's going to bring. <laughs> so like, if he says that, I've got my, my backup. But I mean, I, I feel like his uh, character name is Carl Hanready um, in the film, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I brought him on. He's, I feel like he's going to be both. The thing that I saw uh, with Martin yeah. is like, he is in this weird way, like, authority yet also fish out of water right Mm -hmm. and so like you have to have this thing and so i really thought that he would come in he has this authority because he's he's fbi right so he has this authority about him but he has no idea like what does he know about sharks you know what i mean what in Mm -hmm. the world is he doing on a boat like yeah. yeah and so like i thought he just fit really well there and i thought if you have uh, you know, Tom Hanks is going to have those, I think we can easily see those moments of him like falling over himself because he doesn't know how to run a have, boat. He doesn't have a sea legs. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think, I think we can see that really easy. And then like when he is finally, like he is the saving grace of, you know, he kills Bruce and like he's yeah. just hanging out. Like, I just think you can see him and his like, you know, that, that Tom Hanks smile and like laugh and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? I, I, I'm, like, that, I didn't even think about uh, handwriting, especially uh, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, I think that's a, a great addition uh, to your boat. I think yeah. it's a solid choice. I think you, everything 
characteristic about Tom Hanks as Carl Hanrady. I can see as uh, Brody, but he has his own style to it. Yeah. That, um, you know, he makes mistakes, but he's completely driven. He doesn't give up. Right. Calls people on Christmas Day. He's clearly, he's got, you know, he's clearly got uh, uh, addictive personality to getting what he needs. And I think that's a great right. mm-hmm. 100%. So, yeah, I, I can't, you know, that's a great pick. So, Tanner, you've got Ellie, a botanist, Captain James Hooker, captain, and you've got an FBI check forger in Carl Hanrady, which is a very good boat. And it'd be fun. I'm going to ask you this question now. Which one of those dies? Oh, uh, which one of them's going to be the Robert Shaw of the group? Ellie, Captain James Hook, or Carl Hanrady? Uh, that's got to be Hook. Hook's dead. Gotta, Hook's yeah, Hook's dead. He's gonna hopefully yeah. have more dignified yeah, uh, exit than uh, Robert Shaw did because right. That, I, I think you mentioned in your podcast it just came out of nowhere in the film for me. And yeah, like, yeah. It, it could have been because th- his whole arc it was building towards like he was scared of the sharks. He he, yeah. uh, all his friends yeah. died, so it, it would have been better like if it had been like a heroic choice for yeah. him to like like a one liner before he got eaten. Yeah, yeah. so like a bit of closure. But yeah, um, yeah, Tanner, I love your choices; they're great. And um, yeah, poor Captain James Hook, Nick. <laughs> so we've got a you know we've got Ian Malcolm, Doctor Ian Malcolm, a mathematician, Captain James Hook, another captain. And mm-hmm. an archaeologist in Doctor Indiana Jones. So two doctors. Yes. Uh, and a, doctor, a captain. Doctor. Um, it's a very solid choice. I love it. I can't, I can't floor it. I also picked Indiana Jones, by the way. Okay, nice. I, I had to. I had to. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. I think it was one of the obvious choices um, for me. And um, I put Indiana Jones as dying in mine. Oh, Wow. Yeah, wow, that's true. a that's a choice. And I did the Indiana Jones from the Last Crusade as well. Mm, okay. Aged experience. Yes. And I had him as the sort of Robert Shaw character. Okay. What about you, Nick? What which one's dying in your group? It's Hook. Yeah. Hook, yeah. hook will die. Yeah. 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 So but be, I like would, yeah. I like the idea of not dying the same death, but instead <laughs> the, the shark like jumps right out of the water, comes right down, engulfs him whole, and just takes like a giant chunk out of the boat. You don't, no blood. He's no just blood. swallowed just, whole. He's just, Hook's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Where's he gone? Guys, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really glad you guys came on the show. And I know you Absolutely. guys do this first on your show, but I do it last on mine. If you're going to recommend a film or TV series for the uh, followers mm. right now, what do you guys recommend? Uh, I'll start with you, Tanner. Oh, man. Um, right now, um, I think I, I did this one pretty recently on the podcast, but I'm really wait. I'm like dying to catch the last episode of The Nevers. The Nevers. Yes. Um, oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, it's on HBO. It's an incredible sci fi fantasy, like um, old London setting. Uh, Victorian, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but um, it's great. I would watch it. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I keep seeing it popping up and now and again. So yeah, I will definitely commit to that. So the Nevers, yeah, Tana recommends. What about you, Nick? What are you recommending at the moment? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> you I needed now. at least three days. No, <laughs> um, man, yeah, that's what, that's what, tough. What are you watching at the moment, Nick? What yeah, you, recently. 
I've been watching a, a scattering of things. Um, I did watch the Cruella sh- movie, which I don't oh, really recommend until I'm you seeing that in a couple of hours at the cinema. Is it worth watching? Okay. Yeah. I will say, I will say what I said on our la- latest recording this week is that there are there's a lot to enjoy about the movie, yeah. but there are things that are just typical Disney live action remake that you're going to go. Of course they did. Of course that <laughs> oh, is. Really? But it's really uh-huh. the middle. The middle of the movie really like is great. Like it, yeah. it's all about like the fashion rivalry between her and Emma Thompson's character, and and trying to not give too much away for you. But that's that's really when the movie shines, I think. And I think that's really what the movie should have focused on is yeah. that middle part. It's where they get into the whole nitty gritty about her origin and why she has this beef with Emma Thompson. That it kind of gets a little. Oh, so little. there's a, like an origin story to it then. Yeah, there's an origin. It's it's mostly origin, but it's like it, it is her when she's an adult trying to rise up. It's it's Devil meets Prada meets Joker. So oh, I see, I see. And were yeah. you, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go see it anyway. But I mean, were you happy with Emma Stone as Cruella? I mean, I mean, I know Glenn Close is very hard to sort of beat, but I think mm-hmm. she did. I think for the character, because it's for the character that she is, which is this person that's becoming Cruella. Yeah, and Cruella is a bit of a alter ego for her. Yeah, um, I think she hits. I think she hits all the good right notes on it. She, so. gets, it. she gets it right. Well, no, we're gonna I'm, see. I'm, we're gonna see a lot of Halloween costumes of white girls being <laughs> being Cruella Deville this year. Well, <laughs> that's my that's my guess. Well, no, you're absolutely spot on. It's good. Uh-huh. It's a fad right here at the moment. It's being advertised everywhere. Everyone loves Cruella right now. Um, mm-hmm. Really. And back when it came out in 1996 with Jeff Daniels, the film with Glenn Close, that yeah. So it's amazing how things swing in roundabouts. I think it's just the opportunity to be different, I guess. And I'm, I'm, I assume they've made some political comments in the film in some way. Um, like, I don't remember there being like a big political <laughs> thing. I just think they nailed the fashion stuff really well. I went, I went to watch it with a friend who kind of was keeping me filled in, and he was, yeah, and yeah. it was like, and he was, we were talking about how. Th- when you do a movie about fashion, you have to do the fashion. It it can't be, it can't be costume. It has to be fashion, you know, design. No, that's absolutely correct, I guess. But no, I mean, so I've got the nevers and I've got Corella, which I'll be watching. I'll definitely, uh, I mean, I've just finished watching dark season three. Uh, I needed a notepad uh, and pen for that. Yeah. I need to, it gets gets so, so you can't, you can't watch season one, take a two-month break, and then watch season two. You can't do okay. that. So you just no. need to watch all of it. You have just to go, watch it. Just in a, commit. Because otherwise, you're, you're going to lose track of what's happened. Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I took a break, yeah. and then now I'm like, I, did, yeah. I have to go rewatch everything. You have to go I, back and watch it again. Otherwise, you can't restart yeah. it. You can't, yeah, there's can't so much knowledge that, and like so much intertwining that you have to like puzzle out yes. that coming into it later, you're like, I don't even remember what shape exactly. this piece I'll is. I'll have to watch this all over again. And it's like, yeah. and, and then if you do that and take another break, oh, we have to start again. It's like, oh my right. God. Yeah, I mean, Dark is uh, it's a German Very good, though. series. Yeah. I think it's only the first German series on Netflix. Uh, cool. it's really good. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Ragnarok, uh, which is very good as well. Uh, yeah. That. But listen, guys, I'm amazing to have you both here. I'm a massive yes. fan of Quantum Recast. It's such Thank a good you. show. Thank, uh, you. thank you for having us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm this so is a lot of fun. You've definitely opened our eyes, and I think Hook's definitely going to be hot on the radar <laughs> at the moment. And I think Love that. Uh, uh, we need to thank for that. But listen, I'm probably going to have you guys on again if you'll have me. Um, absolutely. We, absolutely. And at some point, we want to have you on the podcast as well. We'd love to have you join and 
yeah, do some casting I'll, I'll with us. Yeah, absolutely pleasured. I mean, I'll be loving to get in that time machine and seeing where we're going to go. And <laughs> yes, yes, uh, always a good time. Know, please let me know. Please, I'll happily be your guest on there, and it'll be uh, a great thing. But I'm thinking of doing um, something Batman related or Tarantino related for the next uh, show. So mm. if you guys want to come on? Bring okay. Corey along. We can. Uh, yeah, if it's uh, if it's Batman, let's invite Corey. <laughs> yeah, Corey well, will have a lot to say. In, I'm interested in Tanner's uh, opinion about it. <laughs> I got a lot of Batman opinions. You turned a lot of waves <laughs> with your Dark Knight podcast. I'll say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, listen, guys. Look, I'll let you get on with the rest of the day. Thank you so much for coming on Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Um, I'll be in touch with you guys. But thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Ash. This was a ton of fun. Thanks. Nick, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.